You're listening to The Nerd Table, part of the CKCC Radio family of podcasts. Find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hello again, friends. You are once again sitting down at The Nerd Table with your hosts, myself, Chris, and my buddy. He is the gaming extraordinaire. He is, I don't even know what class you are anymore. He's Eric. I think he's a rogue. Uh, you, yeah, you strike me as a rogue. rogue. You strike I, I me feel as like a rogue. I'm going to have to uh, come up with some sort of crafty title for you, like Sir Chris something. I don't, I don't, I'm not <laughs> sure yet, but I'll come up with something. Anyway, good morning, everybody. How, how's everybody doing? We got something special for you today. Oh, we got a, we got a very special show. Oh, you know what? My go-to was always Commissioner, because that was the wrestling nickname, so you can always go with Commissioner? that. Commissioner? Uh, we, can go, right. we can go commissioner. Or commissioner Chris. All right, I got this. Yeah, we got, a, we got a very special episode for you guys today. We have an hour-long interview with Nick Mobis, the Guildmaster, who's developing an RPG. And he's going to talk a lot about the game. So this is going to be a very video game-heavy episode. And I know that some of y'all out there aren't the biggest gamers in the world, but that's okay, because... You don't have to be to appreciate us, but I think you might still be fascinated with the interview itself because there's a lot of lore involved and it's a fantasy realm and people like fantasy. You have to like something like that to be listening to our show, right? <clears throat> Otherwise, you just For like real. us. But so, yes. yes. Speaking of gaming, and we're going to like keep it gaming focused today, what is your favorite console? Oh, you're asking a doozy of a question. Right? Like, it's it's very difficult. Oh, man. That is a tough question. Okay. So, I'm going to just go with what my go-to answer would have been. And the first one that came to mind, I still say Super Nintendo is my favorite console. Okay. Uh, I can re- respect that. The reason I go with Super Nintendo is it improved upon what the NES gave us. It found a way to be superior to the Sega Genesis, even though it didn't have all the quote-unquote adult stuff. It was still better suited for, like, the audio and everything like that. And sometimes, yeah, the Sega game was better, but the Super Nintendo did have a pretty big library. And while it does have a library of crap, as all consoles do, some of my all-time favorite video games are Super Nintendo games, including... My number one favorite game of all time, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. And I I still... Go ahead. I love my Zelda games. I love my Zelda games. You know this. There's a Link to the Past is up there. No, no, it's up there. It's up there. But I honestly think... It has to be... That's got to be my second favorite. My first favorite Zelda game is actually a Game Boy game. Ah! Do you know which one? Well, I know which one, because we've had many conversations about this in the past, but it just got remade on the Switch, did it not? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I haven't even, I haven't beaten it on the Switch. I did. uh, I loved it. And, that was the first Zelda game I beat, actually. Link's I don't Awakening. know if you knew that. Yeah, I don't think you knew that. 
I'm not sure if you did or not. But Link's Awakening is the very first Zelda game that I ever beat. And it is the weirdest fucking game. But it's so good. It's a it's an interesting game because it goes against the grain. It takes Link out of Hyrule. It did something completely different, and I think that did open the door to a lot of the a lot of what we got in future Zelda games anyway. I think uh yeah. yeah. I I Link's Awakening might actually be number 2 on my list right behind oh, Link yeah. to the Past. We we got very Now the consoles though, I will say that the Super Nintendo it's it's amazing. It's probably not my favorite. So what's yours then? So it's kind of a toss up. I I pretty much mm. <laughs> I, I Hey, you posed the question. Retro. Come on now. I know, I know, <laughs> but I was trying to think of it. That's why I was talking really slow to figure out what I like the most. <laughs> You Listen, put yourself like, on the spot with that one. The Super Nintendo is definitely my favorite, like, retro console, right? Like, if we're talking about non-3D consoles, yeah, Super Nintendo. Now, once we start going, like, 64 forward, right? Or, I guess, in the case of PlayStation 32-bit forward, uh, I have to go with the original PlayStation. The original PlayStation? Okay. The original PlayStation. Like... I can probably go PlayStation 2 because it was really a toss-up between those two, the PlayStation and PlayStation 2. Because PlayStation 2, Kingdom Hearts, right? Like, Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy X. Uh, but then again, in the era when people got their Nintendo 64, I did not have a Nintendo 64 growing up. I'm not sure if you knew that either. I had a, I had a couple of Nintendo 64 games. I have never owned a Nintendo 64. <laughs> But I did own a PlayStation and everything that came along with it. And Twisted Metal was a phenomenal game. I had Final Fantasy VII. Like, I had my dedicated um, RPG games coming out on that console, including the remake, or I guess not remake, but the ported version of Chrono Trigger with the animated cutscene. So I really fell in love with that console. Uh, it Like... Just thinking about it, there's a lot of games that I can play. I can't play now because they did not age well. But a lot of fond memories with the PlayStation. More so than the Super Nintendo for me. For me. So, this is kind of funny. I've never owned an odd number PlayStation. I own the 2, and I own the 4. And I never <laughs> had a 3, and I never had the original. But you know oh, what? Man. You know why I would give the edge to PS2 over the original, though? Because it could... could be backwards compatible, and you could play your classic PlayStation games on it. Some, yeah. Something that several future consoles, looking at you, Microsoft, really needed but, to get through its damn skull. But, like, if you're if you're getting a PS2 to play your PS1 games... <laughs> but you can I mean, also... But now I can play my next-gen PS2 games at the same time. That's true. You know what, then? I take it back to PlayStation 2. Oh, or, no. Or, or first gen, first gen PlayStation Three, if that's the point, because then the first gen PlayStation Three was backwards compatible with two and one. It wasn't until later that they got rid of support for two, for whatever reason. Never a fan of that. Yeah, that's something Nintendo has never really done: is had any kind of 
good backwards compatibility. Like, yeah, the Wii could play GameCube stuff, and then the Wii U could play Wii stuff, but then, you know, the Switch went back to cartridges, so... Right. And I, remember... I think the best backwards compatibility for Nintendo's side is the Game Boys. Yeah. Yeah, because the Game Boy Advance could play all the Game Boy games. And then didn't didn't the DS in the first version of the DS have an ability to play Game Boy Advance, or was DS No, no, yeah, it was. It was, I think it was DS and I think DS Lite, right? I feel like that's the last one. Now, I do own a 3DS, and I do really like it, but I, I gotta say, the Switch is where it's at, but the Switch also is doing the fun thing where you can, uh, when you have online, you can play all that stuff on demand. And I know some people would prefer to own it, and be able to play it whenever. And I get that. But I, I like the option. Right. I am one of those people. I, I do like having the physical copy of the game. Because it... But here's why for me, and it's more of a logical thing, as far as, like, I lived in Florida for so long, right? I'm sorry. I wanted a handheld... <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, <laughs> I wanted a handheld system... In case the power went out during a hurricane. The power's out during a hurricane. There's no internet. There's no internet. I can't play any of those games on demand. So right. I want physical copies of everything. And even even if there was power to my house, like let's say I had a generator or something like that, I still don't have internet. If the state doesn't have power, then, you know, I'm again, I'm going to want physical games. So ever, ever since that, I just kind of like, physical games or at least or at least downloadable games right so i have it saved onto um my system and i'm not required to be online for anything you know how many times i've gone uh just gotten home and i want to go online and i can't because stupid router or something messed up or mm. a car crashed into a tree first world tree problems but they're big I know, problems right? uh, uh, <laughs> get that get that internet right. rage that yeah i've been there yeah yeah you replace hurricanes with blizzards and for me growing up it was it was the same thing and i do remember like Bad snowstorm happens, power goes out, and I'm huddled up in bed with all my blankets on under the under the blankets. But I got my Game Boy in my hand, and I'm playing Pokemon Silver because I could. What are these? What are these blankets you speak of? Yeah, see, <laughs> you live in Michigan now. You know what blankets are. Yeah, I bet because your winters are worse than ours in the East Coast. Oh yeah, I have a weighted blanket. That thing is awesome. I love weighted blankets. <laughs> It just feels like somebody's giving you a hug the whole night. Who doesn't Aww. love that? Yeah. And it well, protects a... me from my cats that want to scratch my face. Uh, see, I have a weighted blanket, too. It's my cat getting up on my side <laughs> and <laughs> causing the blanket, me to be stuck under the blanket so I don't have a choice. That's a weighted blanket. And my cat gets stubborn in the middle of the night. Like, I'll move, I'll toss and turn, and I'll physically be pushing her out of the way to... So I can readjust, and she does not go anywhere. She waits till you're done, and then she readjusts herself. Be like, all right, fine, this is good. This is the same yeah. cat where I can I haven't even sneezed. I'm just, like, gearing up to sneeze, and she'll jump down off the bed and run out of the room. But when she gets comfortable, you can't – she's a brick. <laughs> she's a freaking yeah. brick. 
It's the same with my cats. Like, if they get comfortable on my lap, I, I guess I'm not doing anything for the rest of the day. Nope, I just nope, gotta sit yeah. in that chair. The one day I was, if uh, I even try to get up, she'll like sink her claws in. Like, no. I was like, all right, I'm sitting. Uh, you know what? I'm this actually use the bathroom, but this, it's okay. This actually relates to Link's Awakening on the Switch. One morning before work, I was playing Link's Awakening on the Switch, and my cat got up and laid on my chest. And I was like, well, I'm not going to work today because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, you know, the Switch is an excuse because I bring the Switch with me to play at work. But yeah, the. Uh, the cat. I ain't bringing the cat with me to work. Eh. Uh. But you know what? We love we love our cats and we love our video games. And we love you guys listening to the show. And remember, on CKCC Radio, you got lots of stuff to listen to. And I'll quickly go through everything because we do have a big episode here. But remember, if you guys like pro wrestling or The Simpsons, I do Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk every week and the Stupid Sexy Podcast. My co-host Dan Peck and I do both of those shows. You can hear us review Simpsons and talk about wrestling. If you like the paranormal and spooky stuff, or you're a music fan and want to hear tracks on an album get ranked, Jeff Trelowitz, our old Disney colleague, has two podcasts you can listen to on this channel, Real Paranormal Talk and Ranking Tracks. For you music aficionados, of course, there's another show called J-Bunny's Music Hub, where J-Bunny, the host, interviews people in the music industry. Got backlog episodes going up there. If you guys like TV shows, the Bored to Death Binge Cast will review full episodes and full seasons and easy-to-digest chunks with Jay, Chris, Zeke, Sam, and an assorted cast of characters. And for you racing fans out there, the Race Nerd Podcast with Matt Hardman, newest episode talking about the Indy 500 and Darlington. And of course, first Monday of every month, check out the new Motivational Moves with our sponsor, Adrian Cotton, who has a travel agency now that you can check out at EC Travel. So I know you guys are scared to travel right now with everything happening in the world, but when you do start planning that vacation again, get in touch with him. Get motivated and get those travel plans. Get to where you need to go. We've got a couple of shout-outs I want to get to this week. Another shout-out for our friend Katie. I feel like we're going to shout her out every single episode because the shout-outs come from the people who interact with us and give us feedback that we can actually reply to. And, of course, Katie made sure to do that. And Katie actually wanted us to tell the story of how we met the women in our lives. But I don't know if we'll be able to get to that on this episode because mine's a story. And Eric may not want to tell I mean, that story. Mine... So. mine... <laughs> I don't I'll, know. I'll give you the, the short version, right? <laughs> uh, we used to work together at Disney, and I was her trainer, and now she's training me. That that's pretty much the short version. Ah, of the there story. you go. <laughs> I got I got an actual story though, like it's it's kind of a long story. I'll save that for another episode. Another shout out to Megan M, who gave us a glowing endorsement and gave me the best compliment that was also an insult i've ever received in my entire life and i'm going to tell you why she got so lost in our podcast that she actually forgot she was listening to me talk her friend that she's known for over 10 years now she actually forgot that that's who she was listening to because she got so engrossed in it that's a big compliment don't you think yeah I, also yeah i could see where that's also an insult no that's not the insulting part 
That's not the insulting part. No, that part. wasn't the insulting okay. part. The insulting part was she compared me to Joe Rogan. <laughs> That's where okay. I'm insulted. I'm going to shake a fist at that. Because <laughs> for a podcaster... That's a huge compliment because we all know what a successful podcaster Joe Rogan is. But as a human being, uh. <laughs> so I laughed really hard and then she laughed. She goes, I didn't mean it that way. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm taking it that way. So, and, uh, oh, oh my, it, I laughed, I laughed, I laughed. You got to laugh at stuff like that. But of course, our friend Jeff Trelowitz, who we both know, and I'll say his full name because he is a content creator on the channel. Uh, he really liked your movie list, Eric, but he had an issue. You apparently left out a movie that he was just incensed that did not get mentioned. You did. You didn't mention Die Hard. You're right. I didn't mention Die Hard. And how dare you forget one of the greatest action movies of all time? Uh, I'm sorry. No, one of the greatest Christmas. <laughs> that's a debate we're gonna have to have when we get to our december content because i i could make a whole episode out of that but i'll give you guys the a cliff note right here anything's a christmas movie if you make it a christmas movie and when it takes place at christmas if you want to make it a christmas movie make it one I don't see any problem with that. There's no problem with that. No. That's what makes it the, the best Christmas movie. It's not trying to be a Christmas movie. It is. Well, that's a full... I'm going to channel some Dwight here. Dwight Schrute. That's a false statement. Uh-oh. Because the best Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation. You know what? We got a December teaser now. <laughs> That's going to be an episode in December. We're going to get into an argument about what the best Christmas movie is. And maybe we'll even have some some people on to debate us. We'll get some some feedback from that. So I promised you guys last week that I would tell my favorite theme park story of all time. And I'm going to do that before we get to our interview on this show here. But uh, before I do, are there any other theme park stories that you care to share, Eric? I mean... Okay, I do have a story. Um, I'm going to share the story of why I'm no longer allowed to work at Universal Studios. <laughs> I know this story. So, um, I was, what, 17 or so? Yeah, I- I'll say that, 17. Uh, I was working at this popular attraction at the time it was around the time that shrek 2 came out and i was working the shrek attraction now they have something very similar to disney's fast pass uh there it's called the express pass Uh, at the time you could buy it right and use it on all the rides or you could get a free version of it which is you go to a machine it gives you a ticket with a time to come back. You come back during that time. You go through the faster line. Um, and then you, you, you know, experience your attraction. So I'm at the point where it's Shrek. And across the street was Jimmy Neutron, another attraction there. But the Jimmy Neutron building had 
both our machines and the Jimmy Neutron machines. Now, this guy comes up very upset. He goes, I want to go through here. And I told him, well, you know, this is the express line. The normal line is about 90 minutes right now. <laughs> but if you want the express one, you can either buy it. He's like, I'm not paying for anything. I was like, okay. Then the machines are across the street. Now, I said that because I can physically see our machines. And there's a light above it where it's like red and green. Crazy colors, right? Like ridiculous colors. Green means still good to go. Still has fast pass. I, or, or express pass, sorry. So I send him over there. As he's walking across the street, it goes green, red. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> it just means just right now. <laughs> so uh, he goes there. He's trying. It's not working. It's not working because there are no more. He comes back told me that I lied to him. And I was like, no, I'm sorry. That just means that they're out for the day. Now the only way that you can come through here is if you, you know, have purchased it. However, you come back later, the line's not going to be that long. It's just right now, it's like middle of the day. You know, it's about 1 o'clock-ish or something like that. Um, How dare you be busy at peak theme park time? I know, right? (laughs) Anyway. So I told, I'm like, I'm trying to be super nice. And I'm literally saying it the exact same way that I'm saying right now. And, uh, and I told him the only other way, if you really want to go through the express pass is to purchase it. And then he spits on me. And I, um, I was going through this thing at the time, uh, puberty, right? So I had a lot of testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> And I didn't have a what-if scenario for this, right? Like, I worked at theme parks long enough to know, uh, like, how to handle somebody yelling at me or even pushing me or, like, physically getting angry with me. But I did not have a, huh, I wonder what I would do if someone spit on me. It turns out what I would do is punch him repeatedly (laughs) until my manager got to me and pulled me off of him <laughs> and uh i i was uh, the orlando police department had to handcuff me and i thought i was going to jail i thought i was going to get arrested so they pulled me into this now the officer was just talking to me and was like hey what happened why'd you go like ape shit basically and uh i explained to him like listen i I'm sorry, I just lost it. This guy spit on me. And he's like, he what? Like, yeah, he spit on me. And uh, and he's just like, oh, well, I just need to get some information. He gets my ID. And he's like, you said this guy spit on you? Like, yeah. And he leaves. He comes back like, do you want to press charges or anything? And I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, Dude, you're a minor. Uh, like, that's... So- Long story short, yeah. So long story short, uh, the guy was from a different country. So he ended up getting deported. I got, <laughs> I wasn't arrested at all. Uh, you know, stand your ground law for whatever reason. <laughs> um, so I wasn't arrested, but I was politely asked not to come back to work ever. <laughs> That's my story from Universal. Here's the thing. But I have calmed down uh, <laughs> since since then. 
I no longer punch people in the face. No, you let baby um, elephants do that. I let baby elephants do that. Yes. Uh, and immediately after I lost that job, I went to work for Disney. <laughs> now, what's funny is that I know some people are going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe that this would happen. But, like, well, I've never been spit on before. This is a very common thing we had to deal with. Where the public, when they would get upset with us, they would view us as these lesser human beings because we'd work in these parks. And sometimes, and I mean, just because it never happened to me, I know other people that's happened to. And maybe they didn't repeatedly punch the guy, but... Now, was he expecting that? <laughs> or did you, you completely throw him? him? Yeah, you just completely Dude, I blacked throw out. Off. I don't remember punching him that many times. Apparently, I punched him like a handful of times. But what... What surprises me was that my manager was quick enough to get me to pull me off this guy, which means he saw the whole thing happen and did nothing. That could be frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, my story does have something to do with Universal. And <laughs> I, I'm not going to say the guy's name because he was... He was from another country, and he was a very nice guy. I doubt he's listening to this. I don't think we've been... We were connected on Facebook for a little while, and then he kind of disappeared. And I don't think it was like an unfriending. I think he actually just deleted his Facebook. Or it's one of those things where like he became the blank picture with the name. And then maybe I, I might have just gotten rid of him when I realized he was never coming back. Like, it's one of those things. I don't, I don't want to say his name, but... So I'll use a code name for him. You ever watch Community, Eric? You ever seen that show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to call him Abed. Okay. Because kind of like Abed, he was a very nice guy, but he would say things that would make you kind of tilt your head a little bit. And I don't think he realized what he was saying half the time. It just kind of came out. And Now, was it because of, like, broken English? No. I just think he was – I just think he didn't really – he just said things. And didn't wasn't comprehending the fact that he shouldn't be saying this in this environment. Like I said, he was a very nice guy, but I think, and I don't think it was a culture thing or even an autism thing. I think that's just how he was. I think it was a personality thing. So, but like I said, very nice guy. And to set up to set up the story, I'll tell you a, a short story that happened before it, so you can understand what kind of guy this is. So. I, this happened at the disaster attraction that I used to work at. It was the old earthquake ride, which I think a lot of people are familiar with. But if you're not, basically, they're shooting a movie. That's the theme of the ride. And you're part of the earthquake scene. And when it switched over to disaster, it was the same basic stuff, except they added, they had the entertainment role. They added uh, Christopher Walken as the director, Frank Kincaid. And some pretty cool effects. And then the action star of the movie was The Rock. And they would cast people from the... You know, guests would get cast in the movie, they'd do stuff, and then they would... You'd all ride the the train, the earthquake would happen, and you'd get to see the final picture. It was a pretty cool little ride. They turned it into the worst theme park ride of all time. More on that in another future episode, and how much I hate the Fast and the Furious ride. Garbage attraction. Absolute gar... Oh, it's garbage. Garbage. I, ha- I haven't I haven't been on it. Garbage. Trash. Hate it. I'll do a whole episode on... Uh, well... I'll tie that into our Halloween episode when we talk about Horror Nights, because that's when I wrote it, and I was really mad at the people I was with, who are probably listening to this show. Hey, guys, thanks a lot, and you, I hope you enjoyed <laughs> laughing at me as I was miserable. 
So yeah, the disaster ride was, you know, half show, half attraction. And because it was a smaller venue, there was the greeter who also did redemption, which was the person who scanned the express passes. It was the same position. So I'm at the greeter. Abed is doing the the loading, the actual loading of the show. He's in the next position. So we're both outside, but he's kind of in the back. There's like a little corral area where we'll let the people in. He's back there, and he's chatting up the guests. And I'm just, you know, I'm greeting people as they come in and chatting with a couple of people as I scan express passes. And I scan express passes this girl who had, like, skin-tight red leggings on. And as soon as she goes into line, I swear, it's like he's over my shoulder, like, immediately. Like, no social distancing whatsoever. Just all of a sudden, like, you kind of tilt your head, and he's there. And he says in his slight accent that he had, and I apologize for doing this impression, but this is what he sounded like. He goes, holy shit. Did you see the ass on that girl? Oh my goodness, that is like perfection. Hey, hey, do you think her boyfriend would just let me have little touch? With a big smile <laughs> on his face, he's saying this. And I'm like slightly mortified looking around to make sure there's nobody with an earshot of this. Because even though he had, he had a soft-spoken voice, he's not exactly whispering either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, and in my head, I'm like, what the hell, dude? You can't just say that. But that's what he did. He just said stuff like this. So to set the scene for this infamous moment, uh, whenever we would load and unload the train, the train would be docked at the station, and there were two people out there, the person loading the train itself and then the person on the control panel. And as you know, Eric, when you have a safety position, you can't leave that position for any reason whatsoever until you get bumped off the position. That's the Correct. point of the safety position. So I'm on this tiny-ass little platform with a podium with all my little buttons on it. And he's just walking back and forth on the platform. And our child swap area is right behind us. And there are people in there. For those of you unfamiliar, uh, almost every theme park ride has a child swap function where if the kid's too small to ride, the group will go on. Somebody will stay with the kid. And then they'll switch them. And they'll get to ride again. And they don't have to wait in line the second time. We'll just put them right on the next available cart. It's a very, if you have small children and you're worried about that, Child Swap is a very effective way of doing things. And every ride has it. Because even, even though it wasn't a, an intense ride, I think if the kid was like six months or under, we didn't want them on because you have to sit on your own. You can't do lap sitting on the train. So I think that's just the real factor there. So you can tell he's thinking, right? Like he's just going and he's thinking. And all of a sudden, he kind of stops, and he looks back at me, and he starts doing the walkover. I'm like, oh, God, here he comes, because <laughs> I know he's going to say something. And he gets right up on the platform, and he's just kind of leaning in, and he goes, Chris, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of this Kama Sutra? Uh, what about it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking in this book, right? And there is this position in which the two people, they are scissoring. And like, how does that even work? That's like lesbian shit. And I'm just staring at this guy dumbfounded, processing the words I just heard. I'm like, did he say what I think he just said? <laughs> did he say what I think he just said? Did he really just ask me a question about the Kama Sutra and about scissoring? 
How does that work? That's like lesbian shit. What oh the f- God. How do you even ask that? What goes through your head to make you think? Like, why were you reading the book in the first place? You must have been his best friend, dude. Like, honestly, for him to be just saying stuff like that. No, I was not. I never, <laughs> I never understood that. Where that came from. What was going through. I don't know what went through his head. I don't know if I'd want to know what was going through his head. So, like, he says this, and I'm just like, I, I have no idea how to respond. And thankfully, thankfully, the show started exiting, so he had to leave and go load the people on the train. And I've never been happier in my life to end a conversation than I was in that moment. Uh, I don't know what happened to him. I do know that he actually moved to Poland at one point to become a doctor. And I know when he came back and visited, nothing much had changed. And I remember he was... I remember we ran into him randomly at the show. He came to visit and he's like, oh, yes, I love Poland. The girls, they love my color because, you know, he's dark skinned because he was from a Middle Eastern country and he had the dark skin. So the girls were going nuts over him. And all I remember is that he actually got terminated for falling asleep in the control booth. How the hell do you fall asleep in the control booth? Well, he wasn't, nobody ever wanted him to get control trained because you know you have to they have to think you can handle it and they didn't want to do it but he played the race card so they put him up there and then after training he said he didn't like it and he didn't want to be up there and they're like oh no 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 after what you pulled you're gonna be up there and then one day they were trying to dispatch the train wasn't going somebody went up there and found him sound asleep and that was the end of him. I don't know where you are, man. If you're listening to this, you were a very nice guy, but I don't think you were cut out for the theme park industry, my friend. Between the Kama Sutra, falling asleep, yeah, that's... I don't want to... I don't really have any other stories about him that would be worth telling, but that should give you an idea of what kind of person just, he was. I'm just trying to figure out... Was, uh... Was he trying to be funny? Was he just trying to make you laugh? Like, no, I, I he was dead ass serious. He was unintentionally funny. He was one of those guys. He was funny because of how he said stuff, and he didn't. He wasn't kidding. He he genuinely probably was looking at the Kama Sutra and couldn't figure the position out, and decided to ask someone. I'm dead ass and serious. And that someone just happened to be you. Because I just happened to be work. there while at work. <laughs> trapped on a tiny little control platform that I couldn't leave if I wanted to. That oh, was, man. That's entrapment is what that is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I know we got some very positive feedback about the theme park stories. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And we've got tons <laughs> more. I'll come up with even more for next week. So. Oh, yeah. But I want to set up our little our interview we got going on here. We've got Nick Mobus. He's developing a video game called Guildmaster. Uh, he's got a whole thing to talk about here. It's about a little over an hour the interview goes. And I think for all of you gamers out there, you're going to be very into what he's got to say. And he hypes up this game. And by the end of the interview, Eric and I were both jonesing to play this game. So I hope yeah. you guys are kind of on that same boat there. So I'm going to go ahead and throw it over to our interview segment right after this short break. 
Hi, my name is Jeff Charles, and I'm the host of two podcasts here on CKCC Radio on two very different topics that are near and dear to my heart. Join me every other week when I discuss the paranormal on Real Paranormal Talk. I am a ghost hunter myself. I've been on many investigations. I have visited some of the most haunted locations on the East Coast. I review evidence, talk about famous hauntings, as well as talk about the paranormal TV shows. I also host Ranking Tracks, where I will review an album from start to finish, ranking the least to best songs on the album. The genre changes every week, because you never know what I'm going to listen to next. Check these shows out and more on CKCC Radio. All right, joining us now on the program, we have a very special guest here to talk about the video game he is currently developing. He is a licensed plumber by day, but when he puts in those 55 hours a week, he amasses a whole new personality. He is the Guildmaster, Nick Mobus, joining us here at the Nerd Table. How are you doing today, Nick? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Well, thank, excited to be here. Man. Yes, thank you very much for joining us here on the Nerd Table. So, tell us what's going on. You, uh, you are actually in development of a JRPG, an actual, yes. a full blown video game that soon Eric and I will actually get a chance to sit down and play. Uh, yes, soon as in maybe uh, a couple years, but <laughs> <laughs> within our lifetime, hopefully. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, we work on the game. There's there's five of us in the team, and we work on it literally every day at some point. Um, so it does move along every day. Like people could ask us, "What'd you work on today?" And we'll tell you. Like this is what we did. You know. Well, there you go. All right. So first thing I got to ask you is, how exactly did you become a gamer? Well, I am 30, and about 25 years ago, when I was five years old, I would watch my older brother play games and immediately was like, I want the controller, you know? <laughs> and uh, it's funny because he technically got me into games, but he fell out of them really, really quickly. And then I just kept going with it and got N64, and I just kept moving up the consoles, and here I am with a PS4 and an Xbox One. Were you the player too? Were you Luigi? Well, yeah, but my brother played a lot of sports games, which uh, is fine. And I play hockey games. I like the hockey games, and I do play NFL a little bit. But I was player two, and I was also bullied a lot as player two. Oh. Yeah, rightfully so. That's all yeah, player twos. It happens. It <laughs> happens. Did, <laughs> did he ever pull the uh, the no controller thing where, like, he'd hand you the controller and make, it th- <laughs> make you think you were playing? No, because I was I was five, so I was already kind of like, no, that doesn't make sense if my guy doesn't. He never tried that, luckily. He never tried that. I'll give him that credit. Uh, we used to pull that with my little cousin. We would, uh, we would all play Mario Kart, and he'd have the controller, and he would actually play, but he would, like, just crash into the wall. And then we would, <laughs> we would tell him that he already won. But we really needed to finish the race because he was just so yeah. far ahead of us. And then as soon as we actually did, we'd like rush through all the next screens so he didn't see that he wasn't in first place. That's how you have to do it, man. <laughs> it, oh, man. It, it is what it is. But <laughs> like, why is there a piece of tape on the TV where my box is? <laughs> I just covering up the place. I can't. It's because we're ashamed. We're ashamed to look at your character because you're just really good. Because we just really want to just focus on Mario and the back of Mario's head in a go-kart. <laughs> Basically. 
So, yeah, so you're, you're developing a game. Uh, what kind of games are you into mostly? Like, what, what are some of your favorites all time? Man, I've got to say RPGs. Just the immersion, the lengthy storylines, how you can sit and play for hours and literally get nothing done except you've had fun and they can last for however long you want them to last. Um, I, love, I love that for sure. So that's the number one. So side quests, oh, yes I or no? <laughs> yeah. Yes, side quests. And side. Guildmaster will have side quests as well, for sure. All right. What do so you, growing yeah. up, I, I feel like you played a lot of RPG games. So I have to ask, have you played Chrono Trigger or any of those games? I never played Chrono Trigger. Ah, uh, Super Mario RPG? Uh, a little bit, yeah. But I got into... Let's see, whenever N64 was big, I played uh, Ocarina of Time a lot. Even though I wasn't really good enough to beat it all the way, I just played it as much as I could and just roamed around and uh, did a lot of exploring in that game. And that kind of set the stage for the future interests of my gaming. Okay, all right. So you're more into the the action RPG games? Yes. All right. So... Okay, well, then that, that raises an interesting question. Do you prefer the turn-based battle system with hit points, or do you like the hack-and-slash format? I like the hack-and-slash format. Um, and, and, and obviously, this is just my opinion, but whenever I play turn-based, I get, I get bored. And uh, I know a lot of people don't, and it's a good way to make a game, but I just, I just don't do it. I can't get into it. Oh, I mean, there's a good... I think there's something to be said about the strategy for turn-based RPGs, but at the same time, sometimes I just want to pull out a sword and just go to yes. town. So yes. that's exactly. that's like more cathartic. It's like playing a beat-em-up, but with weaponry. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so the game you're developing... What's, what's the name of the game that you're developing, first off? So it's called Guildmaster... Rossvane Reborn. Rossvane is the continent in which everything takes place. Okay. So that's like your, uh, uh, what's, what's a good example I'm looking for here? I guess keep it simple. It's like Hyrule, pretty much. Yeah, that's... you could, you could say it like that. Um, yeah, it, yeah, that, that makes sense. There's nine, there's nine different biomes in the region to explore. Okay. And so, yeah. So we, and we call, I call each biome region. So if I say a region, I'm, inferring to a biome okay is it like right. would it be like different types of environments like is there a desert is there mountains you yes. kind of have a variety of everything yes there's a forest there's actually a region that's called the uh poribus woods which is like massive mushrooms everywhere um there's a, a few other ones that are not traditional for like earth there's a couple of weird ones um since there's nine of them, we, we went through all of the usual basic ones, like a forest, a desert, an arctic. Uh, and then we kind of went off base and made up some of our own. Let's see, that's cool. I like that element because realms yeah, do not have to cool. follow Earth rules. <laughs> and, and, and that's actually cool you brought that up because there is literally nothing, no creature, no fruit, no vegetable that's of Earth. It's all, it's all fictitious, everything. Not even an apple? Come on. No, not even an apple. <laughs> it's, so, it's all it's all its own it's all its own name, its own ingredients cuz there is crafting in the game too and like potion making and stuff. So everything is it's you could you could somewhat compare it to how Skyrim does things with, you know, Nern root and stuff like that. That's kind of what we're doing. 
as well. So is this game going to be uh, strictly like a, a fantasy type RPG or is it going to be a mixture of like sci-fi fantasy? Like what, what kind of setting is the world? Um, it's, it's definitely like medieval fantasy. Um, there's swords, shields, bows and arrows, and there is magic, um, which has actually a lot to do with the storyline too, magic. Um, but yeah, yeah. So that, that's what it is right now is a, just medieval fantasy open world so, so like a little bit of a little bit of zelda game of thrones yes kind of. i i, I kind of tell people like if super nintendo legend of zelda had a child with elder scrolls games you would get my game oh and i like the sound of that, actually. <laughs> that, that sounds yeah really good yeah. yeah link link to the past is my all-time favorite video game like video game period nothing yeah, beats link uh, to the past and when you said that on your pilot episode, I was like, wow, this is awesome. Because because when you look at my game, you will see how we got inspiration from that game. Our, our graphics are a little bit more cartoon and not as pixelated. But I mean, the camera perspective is the exact same. And the movement style and the combat. Okay, so it's got that, it's going to have an overhead type of... Yes. Okay. So I was going to say, what... The graphics you're going for would be comparable to, say, a Super Nintendo game, just less pixelated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they, see, I still really like those types of games, and I don't, I don't take anything away from the modern day games like Skyrim because that was a ton of fun to play. And even oh, though I didn't get very far the first time I sat down and played it, I still did a lot of stuff. Because, like you said, when there's that much of an open world and that many things to do, the possibilities are endless. But oh, yeah. when I sit down and I really want to just sit down and play a game to enjoy it, because I've got, right next to the, the computer here in my office, I've got the RetroPie hooked up to the TV. And mm-hmm. I basically have the Super Nintendo library at my fingertips. And my go-to has always been Super Nintendo. And even then... I always go for those types of games. I'll play a little yeah. Zelda here and there. Um, as a treat for Eric on this show in the future, I'm actually going to play Chrono Trigger for the first time and kind of update him as I go. Oh, that's going to be good. Really good. Yeah. It is turn-based, though. It is turn-based. I, I, I I'm aware of that. I am aware of that. Okay. But, like, I always loved the Mario RPG game was my first introduction to turn-based games because I'd never mm-hmm. played a Final Fantasy game before. Uh, I didn't really know anything about it, but I was a Mario kid, and then this Mario RPG game comes out, and I rent it at the video store, and I remember the first thing I did was I tried to jump on an enemy's head, and I'm like, what's happening here? <laughs> now there's now there's two of... It's it's like Phantom Menace. Now there are two of them. And I'm like, what is happening? What am I doing here? And then once I figured out what it was, because, I mean, I was a kid. So then you start looking up, you're like, RPG role-playing game, turn-based combat, you start becoming more familiar with it. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I'm pretty sure I wasted like two weeks just Mario RPG every day after school until I beat that game. And I think I, that was a turning point for a lot of us, honestly. Just playing Mario was. RPG introduced us to the whole RPG genre. And uh, it, it just took off from there. Like, I mean, honestly, it, it, it was linked to the past. I like that. But like the moment I hit Mario RPG and people had like their own story to them and their own objectives yeah. and stuff like that, that that's when everything became like, yeah, I love this like 
that style of game. I think yeah. that was, um, yeah, that might have been the case for a lot of us, too, because, like you said, we all we all played the Zelda-type games, and then, it, unless you already were familiar with a game like Final Fantasy, that crossover with the familiar platform like Mario is what got us all into this. And I, I think that same thing could be said for something like Kingdom Hearts, which mm-hmm. combined Disney with the Final Fantasy realm, even though it's not turn-based, I think a lot of people discovered Final Fantasy through Kingdom Hearts because they're like, oh, a Disney game, I'm going to play this, and then they realized what it was. Yeah. yeah. Who would have guessed that would have been a thing? It's incredible <laughs> mashup. So, yeah. Sometimes you don't and, and understand it, that something's going to work until you just go for it. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, it's actually cool that you talk about your contrast with you know, old school gaming and new school gaming. And um, that's why I'm confident with my game because I'm kind of bridging a gap with both where you can get a feeling of nostalgia by playing my game. But then there's also, I mean, there's, there's so much stuff to do in it. Like, and we'll get into it obviously, but there's, it's, it's crazy. Like it's a, it's basically could be a never ending game. Kind of like how Skyrim is. There's always things to do. There's always, I, I love the one meme I saw on Facebook where it was like every JRPG ever, like mission one, bring the lost kitty home. Final mission, kill God. <laughs> yeah, <pretty much>. <laughs> it's it's yeah. like okay, well this this evolved pretty quickly. <laughs> so wow, uh, the, the escalation there. Uh, so uh, your your main character is are you gonna. Full customization? Are we talking about like if you wanted to make a wizard, you can make a wizard. If you wanted to make a yeah, well, ranger, be, like, you can make a ranger. Classes and stuff like so, that. So we have full customization as far as appearance and what you want to do. Now, what I mean by that is, so the game is called Guildmaster. Obviously, there's a guild in the game. The guild. It's it's like the uh, it's basically like you um, are a policeman. You're called a guildsman. Job is to protect Ross Bane from. Anything bad, be it bandits, creatures, whatever. Um, so the kind of quick story behind being a guildsman in the game is you are a master at everything you touch. Swords, bows, whatever, axe. Um, now, in the lore, briefly, not everybody can use magic. It's, it's, a, it, it's either in your blood or it's not. Um, so the main character, though, when you play, you will be able to use magic because that would be really dumb to omit that from somebody <laughs> <laughs> yeah you didn't make the cut man sorry like no so um you can do whatever you want use whatever you want um so you don't have to choose from the beginning i want to be a swordsman you can have whatever weapon you want in your inventory and then depending on what level you are and what level your item is will depend on how good you are with it so if you have a level if you're a level five character you're at level five and um, you have a level five sword, a level five bow, and a level five staff. You will be the best at each one of those things when you equip it. Okay. Okay. See, I like that, that makes idea sense, too. Man. Yeah, that's cool because I, I think that's one of those things is sometimes you get stuck on your character select screen where you're like, what? Like, I remember oh the first God. time I played Borderlands, I was like, I don't know what I want to do because I had four yeah. things to choose from and I was confused. Uh huh. Exactly. And. And so with, with with this, it's like you choose what you want because the lore sets it up to where you are awesome as a warrior, period. 
So you, you're already good at everything. Like the, another quick little lore snippet is it takes two years to become a guildsman. So when you join, you enlist, it takes two years. And so the tutorial of the game is your final exam to earn your guild uniform to go out into the world and do your job. So okay. the tutorial is like, use your bow, use your staff, use your sword, use your shield to block. And obviously the tutorial is going to be very easy, but it's like in the, um, I'm also writing a book about for the game. I'm starting a book series. And in the book series, the exam is actually really hard, but in the game, the tutorial is really easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should actually switch that. In the book, he passes like in no problem at all. But in the, ga- in the game, you're like, what the hell? <laughs> Game sucks. I can't even get past the tutorial. All right, that's it. Controller through the wall. I'm done. Okay, so, so when, when you die, is it like a, a roguelike? Is it going to be different every time, or, or do you have like a a, a world design to it? It's going to be different every time in certain ways, um, and actually a lot of different ways. We'll get into a lot of them probably throughout our conversation. But one of the first things that you'll notice if like, like Chris, let's say you play the game and Eric, you play the game and you go through your tutorial. The guild master, the guy that owns, you know, that region's guild haven, a guild haven is actually the fortress in which you become a guildsman. It's like a whole training ground. Um, the guild master will basically say like, OK, you're now a guildsman, yada, yada, yada. You will now go to the region that needs you most. And then the screen will go black and it'll come back and you will be in the region that is on the southwestern corner of the world map and the regions will randomly shuffle each time you play a new game so you might start in the parabas woods with all the mushrooms and you might start in the desert okay that's actually really cool yeah, and uh, the only regions that are going to stay uh, in the same spot... So if you imagine the world map as a, a nine-squared grid, the southwestern square would be your region one, okay? And then you go counterclockwise to two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then nine is in the middle. So the only regions that are going to stay in the same spot are regions five, seven, and nine. That's because they pertain to the storyline heavily. So they have to be in the same spot. but it is very interesting yeah everything else will be shuffled um and we also have a lot of uh i guess i'll talk about this feature um dynamic locations which is one of my favorite features in the game it's where like skyrim they have um and i'm going to use skyrim quite a lot as a reference because so many people know that game but like you've got your caves and your mines and your forts and all of that but those those are stagnant locations that What's that? I lost your audio for yeah, a Yeah, we sec. lost you for a sec there. Oh, no. The last thing we heard was uh, the caves and whatnot are stagnant. And yeah. Okay. So, out from there. So, yeah, so, so basically in Skyrim, the caves are the caves, and it's all it all remains in the same spot throughout the whole game. And Guildmaster, we're going to have stagnant locations, but we're also going to use a ton of dynamic locations. Now, these include things like Bandit camps, creature layers. Yeah, we lost uh, you again there. merchants. Oh, man. Yeah, you cut out again. That's not good. <laughs> man, I don't know why that's happening. Um, 
Everything's the same on my end. I wonder if my internet, my internet's good. Um, so, but, but can y'all hear me now? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Okay. So, um, yeah. So Guildmaster is going to have stagnant locations like caves and castles and fortresses, but we're also going to have a ton of dynamic locations like, um, bandit camps, creature lairs, um, traveling merchants, small things, and every three in-game days, because we have a day and night cycle, so every three in-game days, all of the dynamic locations will remove and then get replaced with something else, or possibly nothing. It might just be nothing. And um, there's going to be over 90 different event spawn things that could happen. So when you leave a village, you won't exactly know what is going to be to the north or to the west or to the east because we're going to have all of these dynamic locations shuffle in and out of the out, out of the map so you'll have no idea what you're going to come across i mean in the parameters of 90 different things that's actually, that sounds really cool actually i like that and then, now, and, uh, yeah and and then also uh, real quick uh even the dynamic locations have variable parameters in them so let's use a bandit camp for example because that's the easiest without knowing all the lore, all the events. The bandit camp, let's say you go to a bandit camp, and Chris, Eric, you buy, you guys both are playing the game. You both get to a bandit camp. Your bandit camps will be different. Um, yours, Chris, might have a villager in a cage that you get to rescue after you kill the bandits. Eric, yours might actually not have a single bandit there, and there might be a chest of loot, and you just got lucky and got a freebie because the bandits are out hunting or something. Like, okay. <laughs> you'll have no idea. And uh, same with what types of enemies spawn. So if it's a bandit camp, Chris, you might get three bandit mystics and two archers. And Eric, you might get two swordsmen. So Chris, you would have like a hard time fighting all that off. While Eric, you might do pretty well. And um, it's different every time. Every time it spawns, the parameters are different. So it's all... So that's going to be... That's got to be a pretty complicated algorithm that you're developing for it. But at the same time, I also feel like that'll be worth it because... To me, oh, that yeah. sounds like an insane amount of replay value, which is... Oh, yeah. Huge. And that's always going to be important for your games, is... I right? agree. You know, even a game that is linear, like, I, I'll even say, like, Link to the Past is a pretty linear game because you have a set order of things to go, and it's not like when they did Breath of the Wild where they really went open world with it. Right. But at the same time, you can still go back and play link to the past because it's fun and i'm and i think that's got to be a big factor too is i know you're you're going to develop the game to actually be fun oh for sure um that, no, yeah yeah absolutely that's that's number one no cheap no cheap stuff right like no <laughs> like yeah. oh thinking back to uh some of those games that you you play when you're kids and you're just like how did i even enjoy this the, the combat is so <laughs> cheap and they gang up on you, and everything. Every you exit the screen, and everything's spawning again. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, we're we're definitely straying away from that. And um, like uh, when you level up, so the the level cap is level forty five. That's as high as you can go numerically. Um, and as you get to certain levels, you'll actually unlock new tiers of enemies in each category. So I'll use bandits again, for example. You'll first start out finding regular bandits, like you know, grunts and basic mages. And then eventually you'll fight, you know, a bandit veteran who now he has a new attack. He's got a light attack, a heavy attack, and now he can throw a dagger at you. Um, 
and they they take a little bit more to kill. But you're also stronger now, so the challenge is is it makes sense. So that's kind of have... like uh, that sounds a lot like what Borderlands did. The enemy strength yeah. was direct yes. a result of your level and your skill, which I think is the right way to do it. Yeah, but but we also want the player to feel like a really awesome warrior. So we are still going to have a couple of instances where you'll still run into like a group of low level guys that you can kill easily, but that's not going to be the norm. It's like a little like, Hey, remember your badass. <laughs> yeah, so then you you'll, go. you know, there'll be like, there'll be like six, uh, Krevel. Krevel is like a, a very small goblin creature. There'll be like seven of those and you can take those out pretty easily by yourself. So that'd be kind of a cool, like, man, that made me feel awesome. And then you go up North and you find something that, you know, unpredictable and it, like is really hard <laughs> so uh so th- this sounds like like really complex as far as programming goes are, are, did you develop like a, a new engine for this or are you using the, an existing engine we are using uh unity which uh unity. Okay. is extremely customizable and and it's it's almost like we've kind of made our own little engine out of unity because it has so many options for customization um so yeah everything that everything that i've been talking about we can definitely do on unity and a lot of it we've already tested and works like the uh like spawning a new bandit camp each time you go there it works okay so here's here's an interesting question um it's sort of a backtrack here but what what actually got you into the idea that you were gonna design this game like what inspired you to say i'm gonna make a game and this is how i'm gonna do it uh, well, it's so I started the game September 2017, and I started it with a friend of mine who I've known for 25 years. And uh, so I'm a I'm a plumber, and he was my he's you know one of my best friends, and he was also my apprentice. I was you know plumbing with him. I was teaching him how to plumb and stuff. And he went to a uh, school for video game design development for programming. And he really wanted to make a game, but he's like, I don't know what to make. I have no idea. I just want to make something because, you know, I live in Austin, Texas. And so the the game market is kind of saturated. Everybody wants to get in that field, you know. So he wanted to make a game. And I kind of had an idea for a game like Guildmaster because I've wanted to play one like it for so long. And I would go and look for one like it. Like I would try to find a retro style RPG with a ton of different armor sets a ton of, you know, procedural type questing, a large world to explore, and I could not find anything. And um, so I was like, well, I have an idea for a game, but it's going to be really complex. It's going to take us a long time if you want to do it. And he said, yeah, I'm in. So we started it together then. Um, he ended up falling out of the project. Uh, but since then, I've I've gathered some, I've gathered four more people that are helping me out. And, and um, I don't have the most experience in the field, for sure. But my team does, especially uh, the guy that's programming with us. And he's like triple A level. So speaking of like triple A and stuff, are you planning on releasing this to uh, what platforms it's going to be out on? Um, It's going to start out through Steam on PC or, you know, if you have a laptop, you could do it then too. Uh, That's how it's going to start because that's, it's so easy to, to get access to that whenever you have a game like that. Um, but then I do want to port it to anything that will let me. I mean, Xbox is pretty indie friendly. Um, I know that. So I definitely would try to port there. 
Um, mobile, I don't think I can do mobile depending on how because the game's going to be pretty big. So I even though try for the like, Switch, honestly, like that this this title sounds perfect for the Switch. Yeah, and and that's something I would do too. I just I haven't looked into it because I know we still have a long road ahead. But right. that's definitely something that I would do. I mean, anything that'll take me, I'll go. Like I want I want I want everybody to check it out and you know play it. I think I think they will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, like, I want to play it right now. I'm just I like, know what really are you doing talking. <laughs> like, but, give me a but controller. Isn't that, isn't that like the, the cool thing though that you're creating the game you want to play because nobody else yeah. did it and you're just like it's like it's like Bender on Futurama like fine I'll go start my own casino with blackjack and hookers <laughs> yes. yes. and, and I mean I'm not even kidding it's been you know before 2017 before I started it years before that I was looking RPG retro multiple sets armor like because. We're, we're going big with our armor sets, too, man. We're going to have 360 pieces of armor in the game, 90 sets, four pieces per set. Nice. Um, because I want the game to be very loot-heavy, and I want people to want to collect all the armor sets, and then you can mis- mis- uh, mis- mismatch, wow. <laughs> mismatch armor sets to look however you want. And then here's another thing that I'll, that I'll, that I'll throw out that I really like about the features is we have a blacksmith, you know, like pretty much every RPG ever does. But ours has a little bit of a different um, purpose. So let's say you really like a crappy level one armor set, like bone armor, which is one that we're working on now. Bone armor. And it's actually going to look kind of cool, but it's going to be a low level. Uh, Let's say you really like that. That is your favorite armor. Well, you can use the blacksmith and you can give him raw materials and he will level up your armor to whatever level you are numerically. So you can basically play the entire game with a level one armor because you've leveled it up and you've maintained it to make it a level 45 armor. And one thing that really, you know, kind of bothered me about some RPGs is like Skyrim. I really like the dwarven armor, man, that like Roman soldier look. I love it. But you can only wear it for so long before you start finding ebony armor and then you got to like throw it away. Right. That's actually really cool because, again, you're you're allowing customization to be the theme. Yes. Yes. Big time. That's the, that's the number one like thing right there is like you, I want you to be able to look how you want to look, play how you want to play, explore how you want to explore. And you know, when you want to do the main story, it's waiting for you. I like the leveling up your items to your current level. That is is like awesome. It's it's like the end of the world. Right. But then the player can be like, yeah, I don't want to do this right now. (laughs) And you can just leave. This is my boomstick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, we, we let you kind of do whatever you want as far as that goes. And what's, then, um, go what's ahead. the, uh, what's the actual character going to look like? I know you said it's customizable, but is it kind of, is it humanish? Can you choose yes. male or female? Yes. Uh, okay. yeah, we actually have, uh, and... oh, we you lost customized. Yeah. Well, lost, you can... lost you for a yeah. sec there. Oh, uh, I was saying we're doing a uh, a test where you can customize your hair color and your skin color using a like color wheel. So you can have like hot pink skin if you want, <laughs> or like like blue hair, whatever you want to do. So we're we think that test is going to work. So that'll make it even better. But yeah, you can play as a male or a female. Uh, the characters are humanoid, um, and they're like. Um, I guess they're 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 like a you know a cartoon human basically the the resolution is relatively high so we can have a lot of detail in our armor sets since we're gonna have so many. 
It sounds really cool. I know. I've probably I, said really cool like 12 times on this episode, but I, I, we should do a really cool What else can you call it? You can't call it anything else other than it's really cool. It it's sounds the Guild awesome. Master. All right. So I'm, not, I'm, not even, I'm not even done. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, but you've, you're, uh, you sound like you're developing something that a lot of people are going to want to play and will probably catch on. And that's the cool thing about indie games is some indie games have – there are gems out there that I think yes. – that I think everybody should try and play. And then, of course, you know, who knows what this could possibly lead to for you. You you develop this indie game, and it blows up, and now people are buying the books because they want to read more about the lore, and now suddenly you're in development for number two. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, the, way, the way that I've been – the way that my kind of gears go about all this, I've already come up with sequels and new but i mean i'm already way ahead i i mean i guess that's fine i mean it's nothing wrong with it but i don't want to get myself too like this is going to be huge but at the same time i want to make sure i i I, honestly you know what i can't even stop i can't even stop i can't stop thinking about the next thing (laughs) i already have i already have sequels i already have a whole book series plan that's the creative mindset man that's what it is you 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 think big and you you gotta you gotta shoot big it's yeah, that drive exactly. that's going to keep you going too. So you know, you know, and and that's another reason why I've you know because when I first started, I was like, "All right, the goblin," and I'm like, "No, I'm not going to make a goblin." Everyone does that. So then I started veering off, and I'm like, "I'm going to make everything its own thing, and everything in the game actually has lore and a backstory." So you could actually read and figure out like a Krevel, the little goblin creature I've mentioned before, how they first became what they are it's actually a pretty interesting story but um like a pokedex to your game yes yeah that's actually a really good way to say it yes and i even do that with like regions too because there's certain regions that actually have a lot of history in them too uh there are certain factions in the game that you know because there's 2700 years of lore written before the game has even started so these regions have changed a lot from where they were at the beginning from where they are now Please tell me there won't be any time travel, because <laughs> no, okay, because <laughs> time travel can get a little dicey. There's no time travel, um, no time travel. <laughs> so, okay, no worries about that. Time, time travel is always where things get dicey, <laughs> and there, yeah, yeah, because then it's then it's just so many like holes in the story and picking things apart. And... Uh, take a page out of Rick and Morty's book and just never do time travel. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Oh man! Like I, I really, I really want this game to come out. Like I want to support you. <laughs> like, uh, how can people find you? Like, if they want to support you, you have like a. Well, um, the and and one thing that somebody said to me is like, why are you trying to like, like hype the game up like two years before you're ready? And and you know the reason why is because me and the other people on the team we're really like involved with the community, like. Any day, every day, somebody could say, what are you working on? And I'll just show you a screenshot of my computer. And if you want to ask me questions, ask me questions. Like, we're always there. Um, So the Discord server that we have is really active. And everybody is really cool, really nice, friendly. Uh, There's a lot of other game developers on there, too. And I have a channel segmented out so they can, like, post stuff about their games, too. So we can all kind of help each other out and be friends. And um, so that's the best way to get in contact with us and find us. I also do have a Facebook page and a Twitter page, but my following is like pretty lackluster on Twitter. I've got like 73 followers and 
Facebook has 130, but I also haven't really been trying to shove my way out. I've just been working in the shadows and this is really a big step for me to take because I haven't really done a lot of talking about it to anybody, but people in my circle, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah. And that's, that's just it. Nobody, you know, you're not a famous game developer, so it, it can be a little harder to get your name out there, <laughs> but maybe yeah. it will be. See, that's the thing. And then you're going to be like, I remember, I remember on August 29th, 2020, when I mentioned I had 73 Twitter followers, now I have 73,000. Like oh, that, be, I mean, yeah. that's the type of stuff that can come, that can come from this. And that's what's, you know, and, and I like talking to other creative people like this, because I've always had like a book series in mind that I wanted to develop. And before I even sat down and started writing the first book, which I actually have started doing finally after talking about it for so long but i already wrote like six sequels before i even started writing the first one i'm like all right you know what let me get this first one done so i can at least have something and then i'll worry about what happens next exactly you got to get that stuff out there man but it sounds like you're uh you're in progress here so you said you've been developing it for a little bit and you do have uh you do have a couple years to go do you have just a ballpark figure of what you think the end the end date could be. Do you have a goal? Are you kind of like, okay, in five years, I'm going to be done and it's going to be ready? Or are you just kind of going with the flow right now so you can perfect everything? That is mainly what we're doing. We're going with the flow. We're working every day, a little bit here and there. I usually, because I, I, I actually have, I have a wife and three kids as well. So, um it's, it's sometimes really hard to like, okay, I I can't, basically I can't put in an entire day. It's like a couple of hours after the kids go to bed. Um, and a lot of our team is similar. They have full-time jobs, but we're all really passionate about this. And so we know that if we do it the right way, take our time and don't cut corners and don't omit a single feature, which we're not, I think on my discord, server i think i i have a channel called game features and i just straight up list them all out and there's like 27 and we're not omitting any of them so that's uh yeah so that's that's a big part there is uh we're not going to cut corners and i say two years because at our current trajectory that seems um logical with how much we work um but it is a huge game for five people to make and there's a there's no way around that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So any kind of early access or a, a beta we should look forward to? Well, whenever we're ready for people to test, I will let people test. Like, just test the game, play the game, have fun with it, and then just give us feedback. Um, I'm not sure when we're going to be ready for that either. Hopefully in, you know, five, six months or so when we have like a a few regions like totally ready to go and people can run around and play and explore. Um, To, uh, to quote Katniss Everdeen from the hunger games, I volunteer as tribute. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) No, for sure. That would be awesome. Um, And also I do want to, when we do release, release the game, I would like to have a demo where you can, since, so I also didn't mention the game has its own, and this is already in the game currently our own calendar with months and seasons, just like how Skyrim does with their months. We have fictitious months and everything like that too. Um, 
So I want to. We're using the calendar quite a bit in the in the game. <laughs> all but I, I want to use. All I thought of in my head was get bet Julius Caesar. Like screw <laughs> screw, <laughs> screw you for adding those two months and screwing up September, October, November, December. Like now nah, I'll make our own months. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, we did that and that's in the game and I want to use the calendar kind of in our day and night cycle as a way to make a demo. So you can have like a, like five in game days to play the full game. And then okay. once your five in game days is over, it'll pause and be like, Hey, your free trial is over. Now you can, you know, buy the game here if you want to keep your adventure going. So, um, that way, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to not know what you're getting into. Are you going to have I any like kind I of... wish more companies did that. Uh, yeah, me, too. me too. Yeah, that would be... You got a day and night cycle, use it, man. Yeah. Is it going to be like a real-time thing, or is it going to be an in-game clock? It's in-game. It's in-game. Um, okay. Off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly how long our day and night cycle is. Uh, I want to say roughly an hour? Because that's... Like a... that's uh, don't get me wrong. I loved I loved the Pokemon Gold and Silver game to death. Like, I love Pokemon Silver. That was my favorite Pokemon game. And I love Animal Crossing. And I play New Horizons every single day. But the yeah. big frustration is, again, I work a full-time job. Yeah, and no. sometimes sometimes the, the timing of things doesn't work out. And I well, like... I, 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 think, I think more games... Don't get me wrong. There's a, there's a market for that. But I like what you're doing. I like how it's got its own in-game calendar. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not sitting down at 10 o'clock at night to play this game, and it's 8 in the morning in your game, and I can actually do stuff. Yeah, and, 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 that's, and I was actually surprised when I heard of – like the first game I heard of doing that was GameCube Animal Crossing. I was like, what? But I, I only play like after school, so yeah. it was yeah. – all, all the morning stuff is – like you can't do it no no and so that that was was weird to me but um it works it works for the switch like the mobile platforms i think that's good but if if this is something like like you said it's going to be on steam and i use steam primarily on my desktop sure i don't take that with me so that would make it so much easier to play yeah, no, that that's true but but also though you work a full-time job and i work 55 hours a week man so I wouldn't be able to play my own game, uh, assuming, I, you know, because whenever I release it, I'm still going to be plumbing. So I'm going to be working and I'm not going to be able to play my own game during the day. And that would bother me, especially because there's certain creatures and things that happen at night that only happen at night. So if you can only play for a few hours a day, you're going to miss content. Right. Okay. Well, I definitely sounds like you're on the right track here. Are you going to have like animal companions and things like that? Can, can I have a kitty? <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a kitty. It would be like a made up creature that would re- slightly resemble one, if, if anything. We're not using anything. But it will be my it. kitty. <laughs> uh, currently, no. But we've also talked about doing a lot of really fun stuff in the future, like because if, if we add a lot more stuff now, it's just going to make the game take even longer because we're such a sure, small Sure, sure, yeah. So, so what we want to do for, you know, people and fans is we want to release the game. And honestly, the real dream here is to build off of all of this and then release stuff like that as free updates for people to okay. download. You know, now for free, like download this and now you can do this and you can do this. And like, well, you know, armor sets just cool. for fun. Yeah, like it'd, be, is, it'd be cool to do that. 
This is something I don't actually know about game programming, and maybe you can kind of shed a little light on this, but what's the difference between a game getting, like, a patch with new stuff versus, like, having it already programmed in and unlocking it? Like, what, once the game is actually released and it's out there, how much more can you actually add to it? With the internet, you can add whatever you want. From my understanding, you can, like, you can add... So, have you guys ever heard of No Man's Sky? Yes. Yeah. Look, look at what they did. They released their vanilla game, and now it is like, it's like a sequel of a sequel. The amount of stuff that they have added. So with the internet and people being able to download updates, you can add whatever you want. You can add anything. I could add five new regions if I wanted. Okay. That'd actually be pretty interesting. Make like another, uh, like a portal to another dimension or something, and then have I, that. I have a. Content. I have a. I do have an idea that'll unlock two new regions for a future thing. So. <laughs> there you go. There I don't, you go. I don't want to go too long here because I know you said there's a lot of lore, but can you give us a general overview of the the plot of the game itself? Yes, I would love to. So um, you start out as a nobody. You're just a guildsman. You just, you know, graduated, if you will. And 200 years ago, from where you are right now, the world ended. That's why it's called Rossvane Reborn, because it's 200 years after this detrimental apocalypse, and they're trying to rebuild. So what that apocalypse was, was a species of creatures known as Darkspawn that started breaking the... They started um, appearing from under the ground in these giant chasms broken into the ground, and they just flooded the land, and they were completely unpredictable, the um, the uh, royalty, there was royalty. Now, in Guildmaster lore, there's no such thing as a king or queen. They're just called a vein. Ross Vane is ruled by a vein, V-A-N-E. So there were 34 veins before the world ended. And the 34th vein was killed along with everything in royalty, you know, everything of royalty. So when the game starts, there's no royalty, there's no vein, there's... Everything is ran kind of by the guild, but everything is pretty loosely ran. The villages kind of run themselves. Um, so these Darkspawn, they wiped out everything. They completely obliterated so much of the world and killed so many people. Um, they ended up becoming extinct, and that's kind of a whole other story. Basically, a hero came up from the commoners known as Theravis, and he rallied together everybody for one last push and he got villagers and kids anybody he could that would fight fought because it was for humanity at this point it wasn't just for a pack of land it was for life itself so everybody got involved and they um basically won and um 200 years later the main character goes out and you take a contract and i'll get into contracts here in just a second but you you take a contract and you go out and you discover a Darkspawn cloak, which is a Darkspawn minion, which were thought to be extinct. And that starts a chain reaction of a reemergence of these apocalyptic beings that come back. And then while you play the story, it gets worse and worse. And the storyline is very long, but I do not make it repetitive. There's a lot of twists and there's some stuff in there that you wouldn't be able to predict. So it's not just go there, kill that, go there, kill that. It's it's go there and experience something and kill something, sure. But it kind of goes in different directions. 
Um, so basically, you're trying to protect the world, which is your job, from an apocalyptic species that doesn't seem to have any self-preservation or mindset. They just kill. Hmm. Damn white like. walkers. <laughs> so um, you go through the storyline and you're trying to just prevent apocalypse, which is, I know, a very common trove for an RPG, but um, it makes it, it, it makes for a good story whenever it's all or nothing. That's it. Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes you have to include elements like that because it is the best way to tell the story. It ain't broke. Oh, yeah. It. yeah, and exactly. I mean, exactly. There, there are there, there are other factions in the game. There's a uh, the Merc Staff Syndicate, which is basically like a my kind of little version of the Illuminati. <laughs> um, and then there's uh, the Blood Guild, and then there's a species known as Volren. So there's other factions that are in the main storyline that definitely get in the way and change things. So it's not just you versus the Darkspawn through the entire thing. It you you go through a lot of different experiences with other factions too during the main story. What's the uh without spoiling anything, there is there an end game though? Is there like a final boss type situation? Yes, there is. Okay. There, there is, yes. So that there is I'll, I'll I'll tease I'll tease one thing here though. Um there is you'll you'll go through the credits, you beat, you know, the boss of the game. And then there's a credit sequence, and then there's an epilogue, and the epilogue has a twist at the end of it, which will make, which will be pretty big. Ooh, what a <laughs> twist! <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a big twist. Uh, and then, and then you can go back and you can play the game because there's, like I said, it's like Skyrim. There's always something to do, always. And there's going to be armor sets you don't have. There's going to be side quests you didn't do. Um, and the side quests are actually going to be geared towards the region itself. So a side quest in the Paravas Woods, which is like the Mushroom Woods, is going to be geared on creatures called Merglin, which live in the mushrooms and stuff like that. So the side quests are going to be more environment-oriented since the storyline doesn't really pay much attention to the region that you're in, unless you're in Region 5, 7, and 9. Well, it sounds like you've got a pretty cool game in development here, and I, for one, am ready to play this thing when it comes out. But as you, it might be a while, but I'm full of belief that I'm also waiting for Grand Theft Auto Six, and I'm, oh, yeah. I'm we all, all, and I'm all about, I'm all about good things coming to those who wait oh, because sure. I think, uh, I think any game that's worth, <clears throat> any game that's worth playing, really. Uh, the way it will be worth it. it I agree. And I, yeah. And yeah. I feel like when you can talk to the developer whenever you want helps too. Can you just message right. us? <laughs> well, yeah, that's true too. We're definitely going to link your uh, discord in the comments. Just yeah, so if people want to check it out, want to join. Yeah. I do have yeah. a, I think we have a pretty good uh, listenership on the podcast now of gamers, part of the, you know, part of the nerd culture. And like I said, Eric and I are, big gamers ourselves oh so. gaming's just uh, it's gonna get really good especially with the ps5 and the new xbox on the way and the oh, new yeah. graphics cards that are coming out like i i'm just so excited i mean did you guys yeah. see the demos the, like the ps5 demo yeah i didn't and my only reasoning is because i have let guildmaster take up so much of my free time i don't really game as much as i used to so i don't want to get mad at what i'm not going to be getting right now <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. Uh, but you, you should do it at least for like, at least for like ten minutes. Just look at the PS5 Unreal Five engine demo, and just what the hardware is going to be able to do. I think it's, cool. it's going to be great. And uh, like, I, I don't know. I'm just excited. I'm super excited. I'm excited for this game. I'm excited for games just in general. It, it's going to be a great time. Oh, we yeah. need something, especially after 2020. We need something. Oh, my God. 2020, like 2021 needs to be like the renaissance of gaming. And yeah, it probably, really does. And probably, and probably animation, because you can still do that from home, from what I understand, right? I mean, I feel like animation is going to keep going, even though there's been a big gap in acting, live action. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, voice actors can probably work at home as long as they got a good studio. Yeah, I, I just don't know how that dynamic would work. Like, I, I, I watch a lot of the making of Bob's Burgers and stuff like that, and I think they all just meet up and they record pretty much around the same time, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. So they can work off of each other, you know? Yeah, that, um, that, they, but, uh, that actually makes a lot of sense for, like, you know, ad-libbing stuff and just kind of going with the flow. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, oh, and another thing I'll mention about Guildmaster while we're uh, still hanging out is uh, there is elemental damage, you know, fire, ice, poison, shock, all that. And then you can enchant things, too. You can enchant armor to be resistant against those things, or you can enchant weapons to inflict those things. Oh, okay. Will the enemies also have resistance to certain elements? Oh, yeah. Which okay. which is kind of cool, and, and this will kind of segue, segue me into another feature, is how you get your contracts on the game. They're outside of every guild haven, and every village, there's seven villages, and there's seven guild havens. Every guild haven is inside of a village. That's kind of like your home base, you know? Uh, you can go there to sleep in a tent if it's nighttime and you don't want to play at night. You can go there to, like, restock on weapons and restock on items, potions, what have you. Um, but you'll go, and outside of every guild haven is, like, it's, we just call it the guild board right now. Basically, it's a billboard with, with parchment on it. Kind of similar to how The Witcher does it, if y'all played okay. The Witcher. Um, yeah. So you can interact with this board, and it'll it'll bring you a UI screen of six papers on a screen actually there's seven uh the six of them are region contracts things that have been posted on the board that need to be taken care of so you can and those are those are generated based on things that are happening in the world so you can go on and explore and like do an event you know where whether it's you know help help somebody help some merchant find something really quick on like a very quick event but you didn't know it, but that's actually a contract. So when you go to interact with it, you get to collect a reward, even though you didn't know you did a contract. Um, and then the seventh parchment is monthly. Since we have that calendar, we're going to use it. Monthly requirement or monthly um, monthly requests from the Guild Haven itself, basically wanting you to do a certain thing that month. And that's generated based on arrays of different um enemies and creature types that are in that region so let's say you're in a certain let's say you're in the terraclade grasslands which is like the really pretty flowery place there's a creature there called a kyrite beast let's say the guild that monthly thing could be you we need you to go out and kill like 10 kyrite beasts because there's a lot of them this month and we need them taken out and then you'll get a specific reward for doing that seventh contract if you will like a monthly reward hmm. So there's always something to do. And then every every time those events shuffle off the board, 
so do the contracts and then you'll get new contracts too to go with the new things that are happening that period I think I just have one more question we haven't actually touched on yet, because this is something that's always big to me with video games, is do you have any kind of music in place for the game? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I can actually shout out to these guys. We have a deal with two composers, twin brother composers. Have you guys ever heard of Brandon and Derek Fichter? Mm, I have not. I have not, no. Oh, all right, well, I'll have to. I'll have to show you guys, but... On, if you type in YouTube, Derek and Brandon Fichter, F-I-E-C-H-T-E-R, we are using their music for the game. And they have incredible, like, orchestra-style, really good music. Yeah, I've, I'm a big good. music guy when it comes to video games, because, I mean... So you am can, I. You, so am I. I how, many, how many tracks just out of Ocarina of Time have become legendary and synonymous with gaming? Oh my gosh, all of them. <laughs> so, yeah, and it, it creates such a cool atmosphere. And it then, does. oh, and there's nothing worse than than the music cutting off and you seeing 12 health packs before you're about to enter the next area. Being like, oh, oh yeah. God, what's about yeah. to happen? Yes. <laughs> what are yes. you preparing me for? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, music is very big with us as well. And we, we have a deal with them and we're using their music and they're really cool, really accessible. They'll, you know, talk to anybody. And they've got like, I mean, I think they have over 1,500 songs on YouTube. Wow. And they're full length, like four or five minute songs. That's so, awesome. um, yeah. So, we, and I'm, I was so surprised that they haven't had big games come to them and ask them. Cause I mean, I'm not a big game company at all, but the game we're making is big. And they said, yeah, this would be the very first game where a, a big game that our music would be in. And I couldn't believe it. It's really good music. I, I'll show you some stuff whenever we, whenever we're done here later. But it's really good. That's excellent. All right, so yeah, we've got a we've got a game to play on the horizon here that I think we're all pretty much going to be looking forward to. And I hope our our gamer listeners out there, I know you're listening. I hope you guys join the family. Yeah, please join <laughs> join the family and. Uh, I think what we're going to have to do, Nick, is we're going to have to have you back on maybe in a couple of months and get you uh, get an update here on progress of the game. Maybe, oh, we've we've developed this now. We've worked on this and we can kind of just keep it rolling here. And then who knows? Maybe uh, maybe we'll all be we'll all be famous in the next couple of years (laughs) as famous podcasters and game developers. And we can we can team up on Twitch and really, really get something going here. That's a dream of mine. I have a few dreams. One of them is, I mean, obviously the game, of course. But I, one of my other dreams is for people to be making fan fiction stories of my Lawrence. That's, like, huge to me, you know? Like, like people writing fan fiction about them as a guildsman and all the things that they go through. And that, that's just, that just would be wait, really cool. Just wait till the fan theory starts sparking on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, so speaking yes. of, like... Fan theories and, and fan made stuff. Would would you release a uh, a modding scene for the game as well? So I've actually well, thought about I've thought about doing a couple of things somewhat similar to that. I thought about releasing our sprite sheet templates for animation, so people could make their own armor sets if they wanted. Um, it's somewhat of a tedious job if they wanted to do it, but that's something I've thought about doing. That'd be kind of cool. 
uh, releasing our templates for weapons and our templates for armor so people can just play around and make their own. That way they can make them with our resolution, but they can make it how they want. That way it'll fit in the game and look really good, and it'll be something that they made that they can have. Um, gotcha. The only thing I, I would have to really, really look into is the legality of that, because I just don't want you know a bunch of people to get mad at me if their sword is in the game and... They um, or, right, or right. something like that, yeah. Right, right, right. So that's something I've I've been looking into somewhat recently, but I I I get so busy with the actual development, I kind of just turn away and start working on the game again, and I don't go back to it. Um, but that's that's one thing that uh, and I do have a couple more features I haven't told you guys about. If you're interested, of course. Okay, yeah. so uh, I guess I'll say one of these features: you can catch diseases in the game. There are diseases. That oh no! You. You have died of dysentery. You, you, you said diseases. The first thing I thought of was uh, Fallout. I was like, oh, man, it's like Fallout. I'm going to get these uh, diseases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and we, thought, we thought about how funny it would be to make one. And I think I think we're actually going to do this. One of the diseases called Anorak, which is Corona backwards. Oh <laughs> I would love that, right? Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's also every village is going to have an arena, which you can use to uh, bet on uh, AI fights. And we're going to try to make those a one-on-one, a three-on-three, a five-on-five, and a 10-on-10. So you can watch big, big fights happening in the arena and bet on which side you think is going to win. And then you can also partake in the arena yourself to to fight with no... So um, to fight with no punishment. So if you die in Guildmaster, you actually do receive a little bit of a punishment. you go out in the world, you explore, you find a bunch of loot, and then you die. Well, if you die, you actually lose the loot that you have discovered. You don't lose anything that's equipped. You just lose your, uh, your list items that you've just kind of stowed away. Um, but the, the, the um, counter to that is next to the guild board, there's a uh, chest. And like many of those RPG games, all the chests in each village link uh, link up together, uh, and it has unlimited storage. Go nuts! Like store whatever you want, and we'll ha- we'll have it so you can organize it, and you can have your own chest, so you can always go back and you know unload stuff, so you can go out and in the world and not worry about losing all your stuff. But if you get a bunch of good loot, be careful because if you die, it's gone. I like that. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's gonna set it's gonna set a part of, and the combat we didn't really talk about combat, but the combat is strategic as well. Um, the sword and shield you ha- so whenever you equip a sword you have a shield as well. Uh, the shield and the swords are different assets. You can have different shields with different sh- sh- the swords. They're not they're not correlated at all. So um, the there's a light attack and a heavy attack. Heavy attack obviously deals more damage. It takes longer to do. And then the shield, you can block. That is the thing you can do. And a lot of old school RPGs, you can't block. It's like, I hit you, you hit me, I hit you, you hit me, I hit you, you die. Because you had more health. This is like skill-based. The block lasts for, I think, 0.8 seconds. So you got to time it right. If you time it right, you can daze your enemy and get a free hit. So the shield can also block arrows, spears, and throwing daggers. Um... And then your your bow is similar with the light and the heavy attack. With the light attack and the heavy attack, heavy attack takes twice as long, does twice as much damage. And the staff is where it gets a little bit different. 
the light attack with the staff actually deals more damage than the heavy attack with the staff. And the reason why is because the heavy attack will go through enemies. So you can hit like six guys with one heavy attack with your staff, but you won't deal as much damage as, as if you were shooting at one guy. So that's kind yeah, of how so it's like a, a AOE type of move. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how we're kind of balancing that. And then I didn't talk about this at all, but this is actually a huge feature. It's one of the big ones. There's there's going to be about 30 special abilities that you can uh, acquire in the game. Um, these are like shooting out a cone of ice, so you freeze enemies. This will be like starting random little fires all over the all over the the map. Uh, summoning lightning, summoning an ancient guild lord to help you fight for you know 10 seconds or so. There's going to be about 30 different ones, so you can use those to help you whenever you're in tight positions as well. Um, I guess you could equate it to shouts for Skyrim, but that's kind of what we're doing, but it's more in like a retro 2D game. So um, there's a lot of those abilities that you can get. And I don't want to hear people being like, oh, well, this is just similar to that thing. Oh, everything's similar to something. Oh, and you can get away draw from dis- it. Yeah, you you it draw inspiration. Game. But... Yeah. Yeah. As somebody who has dealt with the uh, the the trolling before in seven years of podcasting, where we'll do a segment of something like I have a pro wrestling podcast, and we'll do like a segment that's similar to another podcast segment. They're like, "Oh, you're just ripping those guys off." I'm like, "I never even heard of those guys." Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everything everything comes from from something, but yeah, it, I mean, it has to. There's the amount of features that can be in a game is kind of limited so you really have to you have to get inspiration off of something you know for real and people like even even equipping armor be like oh you got that from like the obelisk yeah exactly relax (laughs) relax you're equipping armor (laughs) now i could i could understand if i tried to make a daedric armor in my game that's not cool i'm not going to do that but (laughs) you know i'm there's you gotta have you gotta have some similar things especially if it's an rpg that's already expected to have certain features in it right and just be and then, pre- be prepared yeah. for the negative stuff too where they're just going to be like oh you know well this weapon thing is cool but in this game they do yeah. it better oh then go, and then, and then, then go play that and game <laughs> and then i'll just say well then don't play my game and then they'd be like well i mean i guess i'll play it but, but. but uh, yeah i guess i'll play it <laughs> yeah i mean you're never gonna make yeah that's the other thing you're never gonna make everybody happy but no. but if you no, give I'm people if you engage people with the story and what they can do and it sounds like you also still are keeping that option to keep it simple too which is going to appeal mm-hmm. to people as well yes which uh, especially uh, me on on drunk nights where I'm just like ah let me just pick up the controller and play something roll around <laughs> roll around yeah and 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 I do not I love the lore so much but I will not and I do not shove it down the player's throat it's totally optional to learn there is some lore that you will pick up while you play the main story but that's cool like it's not I'm not like you know the year 1200 this and this like I'm not going to do that but if you do want to learn the lore in the game interact with any bookshelf. And then you can you can learn some stuff if you want. There Optional. You I have it. Uh, I have all of the lore segmented out into paragraphs, and so the lore will come to you in a paragraph. So you can just read a little paragraph and then go back to playing, or come back later and read another paragraph and go back to playing. Excellent. Uh, um, is there anything that you're missing that you probably. want to tell? <laughs> probably. 
Well, you know what? Uh, We'd have to. We'll have to have you back, man, because there's. I, I think there's. You can't cover everything in just one one interview. You can't. Yeah, it's, it does yeah. sound like uh, you have a lot planned. Yeah, uh, sounds. Uh, I'm actually excited. Uh, yeah, Chris, I am too. Like you're excited too. Yeah. Um, mm. So we're we're definitely gonna have you back on at some point, oh, Nick. Good. Thank you yeah, for yeah. joining us and Anytime. telling us about your game. Anytime. If, if you guys want. Yes, thank you. And again, in the link to the description of this episode, we're going to provide you with a link. You can get access to the Guildmaster on Discord. You can join the community. You can kind of be part of the part of the the early. This is probably the early access right here. Is yeah, just really chatting is. with these guys. And and also ask ask me your own questions. Like I'm seriously, I'm on it every day. And it's funny because a lot of the people on the server know the answers to these questions too. So if you have any questions about the game that you thought of that they didn't ask, ask me. Like There you go. You guys can learn a lot about this game, and then hopefully within the next couple of years, I'm sure this podcast will still be going strong by then, because oh, yeah. it's my my goal, of course, is to keep it going. But yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be able to eventually feature the game on the show as a even a near-completed project. And well, I'll have, to, I'll have to figure out a way to put you guys in the game somehow. Oh, no. <laughs> oh no! I thought about I thought about because uh, some of the villages have cemeteries, and I thought about making really funny, like click to read it, and it'll tell you like a funny little excerpt, kind of how Fable did. Do that with uh, certain people in my life. <laughs> the guy will just be on tombstones. The guy who grades in tombstones. The guy who bullied you in high school is on a tombstone. It just says good, good, <laughs> good, good riddance. Exactly. Oh, I, that that's that's some next level trolling right there. But you know what? It's your game. Put whatever you want in it. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't. Ah, I didn't get to tell you guys about the tavern either, man. All right, well, <sighs> so much to be done. There's so much to be done. But Nick, we're gonna have you back. We're gonna yeah, have you back okay, on a cool. future episode, and there'll be so much more to talk about. And we'll even hopefully we'll even be able to answer some questions that our listeners might have. They might be, be able to submit some questions, and then we'll be able to do a little Q and A about the game. If you guys are yeah. interested in Guildmaster or Nick Mobus, you can check that out. Like he said, he's on Facebook, he's on Twitter, he is on Discord. That's going to be the easiest way to get in touch with him. And someday soon, Guildmaster will be available for all of us to play. Nick, thank you for sitting down at the nerd table with Eric and I. Anytime. Seriously. Love it. Check out the Board to Death Binge Cast, where we talk TV shows and movies in easily digestible chunks. I'm Jay Winger, and I'm often joined by my friends Zeke, Sam, and Chris as we talk about TV shows and movies after binging them. We just finished a binge cast for Bill and Ted Face the Music. You should check it out right here on CKCC Radio. And that was our interview with the Guildmaster. What do you think, Eric? You ready to play this game? Uh, yeah, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of hyped. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I think, I think we all are. Uh, Interesting question I kind of thought of while we were doing the interview, and because you and I are both gamers here, and the I don't want to go too heavy because I don't want the episode to run forever, and like like we mentioned in the interview, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. We want to leave them wanting more, but we are going to do some more game-heavy topics down the line here on the Nerd Table, but do you recall what got you into gaming, like your first earliest gaming memories? Yes. Yeah, actually. Um, believe it or not, it's very, it's, it was just Mario 
got me into gaming, right? Like, I just wanted to play the Mario game. Um, one day, uh, I was walking with my dad by some little strip mall thing, and they had a TV where they were showing, like, the Duck Hunt slash Mario games. Mm. Right? Yes. And I was just like, what the heck is that? And uh, and ever since I saw that little little demo, I was just like, I want to play that. Like, uh, that's that's really cool that I can have something out here and control something in there. By in there, I meant the TV, you know, and I just wanted to play Mario. So I played Mario, but I wasn't big on games yet. The next big game that I played was Contra. You remember Contra? <laughs> All right, so you really went from you really upped your challenge level. <laughs> to go yeah, from Mario I to really, Contra. I really did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I kid you not. It <laughs> went from Mario to Contra. And Contra was so ridiculously hard that I was forced to become better, right? So I had to like sit there and practice and play and just do all this stuff. And it wasn't until I had this friend at the time, his older brother was just like, oh, you know, if you get tired of just dying, to, uh, you can use the cheat code to have more lives. And I was like, the, the, what, the what? The what now? <laughs> and he taught me the cheat code uh, for Contra, which is very famous now. Should, know, we, should up, we do up, it together? Down, down. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, up, let's do it together. Up, up, up down, down, down. Left, up, right, right, left, right. Left, right. B-A-B-A select start. <laughs> it's it's literally I think it's like the Konami code now is what it's, it's called. Yeah, because Konami actually uses it in other games. Yeah. So like I, I when he introduced that and I got 30 lives, and uh, I was just like, I'm never gonna like I'm oh I'm gonna beat this game now. And then I beat it. I did. I beat the game. I beat Contra. And I was like, this is epic. It was the most epic game I have ever played. And I thought nothing could be better. And I was right for the time. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a a partner podcast that we do. So quick shout outs there to uh, Blake and Sal, the Blake and Sal show, and uh, Mark and Brian of the United We Fan podcast. But the last time I played Contra was with Mark from the United We Fan. I had the, uh, the arcade version downloaded onto Xbox Live. And we did the Konami code, and we played together. And that was the last time I sat down and I played Contra and beat it. Was the tag team up? And I think we were both down to our last life when we actually finished. Like, it's hard. It's wicked hard. That game is way so hard. hard it's so it much fun. Yeah. Uh, and then and that just took off. After that, I was it was like a fucking junkie, just looking for a fix, man. I was like, <laughs> what's the next big skill? What's the next big game? And then uh, Mario 3 came out. I'm like, yes. Then somebody told me that in the original Mario that you had, like, uh, a way to jump over that last tunnel, and then you could pick levels. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Why am I not figuring this out? This is before the internet, right? So, like, I'm I'm losing my mind. And now I have to go back. I played that. I played Mario 3. Um, around this time is, like, Super Nintendo came out. I got the Super Nintendo. I played... Super Mario World. Uh, and then somebody showed me how to get to the last level 
like skip the entire game, right? <laughs> just you, you can make it to that first uh, star thing, beat all the star stuff, go to the last level, and then beat the game. And I'm just like, what the hell? Uh, and you know, now that I think about it, that was like the very first speed run, right? Like you, now that I think about it. Yeah, beating Mario World stuff. with Star Road. Yeah. Uh, and then it just, I became fascinated with trying to figure out little tips and tricks or little cheats in games, <clears throat> like little hacks and whatnot. Uh, and then that happened until I played that Mario RPG game. And then that's when RPGs opened up for me. Uh, and then I became obsessed with stories in games. And that never stopped. Now, I do like my te- like Tetris and stuff like that, my puzzle games. But that that's pretty much never stopped. It's always been about story and gameplay second. Um, but you need to have both. You really do. Because if you have shit gameplay, I don't care about your story. If you have a shit story, I don't care about your gameplay. Yeah. So I, I still prefer my retro games more than anything. But uh, but I remember I, – I don't actually know the timeline on this because I was too young to remember. But my earliest gaming memories were of the, the – of course, the Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt dual cartridge. And my sister got one for Christmas that year. It was either It was either the year it came out or the year after. But I was old enough or at least cognitive enough to remember getting it and actually playing, like playing Mario – and rescuing the princess and everything. And it was so much fun. But we also had an Atari 2600. And I don't know if we had that first. And I played that first. So I, I can't give you like that memory. But Super Mario Brothers Duck Hunt is what made me a gamer. And I had original Zelda. I had the Kirby games. I had the Game Boy. And when Super Nintendo came out. Yeah, Mario World was where it was at, man. That was... Yeah, Mar- we had World. an Atari, and we also had uh, the Sega Master System, not the Genesis, the big the long system. Sega. Yeah, yeah, Master System. Yeah. So, uh, but I wasn't allowed to touch those because uh, I was a kid. Ah, like it, it was like my dad's thing. My dad is actually a big gamer back in the day, and uh, he stopped playing once it, they added more than four buttons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The controllers got too complicated. <laughs> yeah, literally. I just I, I look at some of the controllers now. I look at the 64 controller, and I was just like, yeah, good call, Dad. Good call. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I got, I, got, I got the Steam controller here on my desk, and, of course, it's designed like a PS4 controller, but it's just like, you know, sometimes some of that stuff does get excessive. And that's one thing. That's another reason why I really like the Super Nintendo is because the games are more complicated, and you can do more stuff with them, but they don't overcomplicate. Right. Which is a which is a good thing. You know, you need and sometimes I want to play the simple stuff, but then other times I'm like, man, like if you go back and you play Castlevania on the NES, you're just like this is so much fun, but man, I kind of wish I could throw the whip in all these different directions. Like, all right, screw it, Super Castlevania 4. Now I can whip everywhere I want. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny, right? Like, I personally love the 360 controller or the Xbox One controller. It's pretty, pretty much the same thing, right? Just kind of shaped slightly different. The one thing I cannot get used to in these games, though, is pushing down on the analog stick. Like, oh, I don't yeah. like that. I don't like it. Like, pushing like, it in? I get it. 
yeah, to push it in to run faster or something like that, or uh, reset camera and all that. Nah, I, I'm okay. I don't need that shit. Like, you could have left those as actual analog sticks and without a button, and I would have been okay. I know. They, uh, they just needed an excuse to throw in another button. Yeah, for real. One thing I did like, though, is I did like on the N64 controller, while it's not my favorite controller design, I always like the Z button as a trigger. Because a lot of the shooting games, like GoldenEye, you could fire with that. And I always really liked that. Do you imagine how much better that controller would have been with just a second joystick somewhere? So you can actually aim? Yeah. Like, that would have, yeah. yeah. Uh, 100% agree with you on that one. The the N64 controller, I mean, it, it did what it needed to do. It was revolutionary. But, uh, yeah, they, there's definitely been improvements. And once we got the two, the two analog joysticks that are even with each other, got that, Microsoft? The PlayStation put them even, so it's more comfortable. Uh, I like how one does the actual movement and the other can control the camera, and a lot of games have that. And I think that's a really cool feature. I mean, even yeah, the Yeah, I can't the play Switch, GoldenEye now. Oh, I know. It's, it was so much fun, but, like, you go back and try to play it, you're like, I can't do this. <laughs> I remember... Like, how did I ever play this? Dude, I remember I downloaded Perfect Dark on Xbox Arcade, right? So I could play Perfect Dark again. And I remember when I tried putting it on the N64 and playing it that way, I'm like, I can't actually do this. Because I, I was loving Perfect Dark with the controller, with the, the Xbox controller, like... I'm like, I can't do this. What have you done? <laughs> All right. Ugh. Yeah, gaming gaming memories from back in the day. And I remember we had one of those Atari cartridges that had, like, a ton of games on it. And I used to just scroll through and play random stuff. But I don't even... I used to play a lot of games on on DOS. Like, yeah, like, the, a couple of the educational games. Like, I had Writer Rabbit. Remember Writer Rabbit, anyone? And then I believe I played that one. And I used to play a ton of these games on those floppy disks. And then I remember my uncle gave us a copy of Wolfenstein 3D and was like, hey, I hear Chris likes games. Play this. Oh my God. <laughs> and Wolfenstein now I'm, 3D. And now I'm just running around killing Nazis. You know, that for was, kids. It was such a great game, though. Because original. of that, we got Doom. Yeah, and because of Doom, we got the, the FPS genre in general. Which, while I do believe is very overplayed these days, I think that it's some of them are just a ton of fun. Yeah. Oh, God. Like, I, I actually got Halo 3 for free when it was one of those 360 downloads, and I wasn't really a big Halo guy, but they're like, oh, it's... Uh, for the gold membership, this is the free game. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to get Halo 3 and play it. And I'm like, this is fun. I'm having a good time with an FPS. And I liked, uh, I really liked Bioshock. I liked Borderlands. Like, those were fun, some fun games to play. I even liked Dead Island. I was having a good time with that. So. I, I like first-person shooters. I just don't like repetitive first-person shooters. Like, I'm not going to mention any names. Right, but I don't like these warfaring game, these warfare games <laughs> that are really modern. You know what I mean? Uh, I wonder what you could possibly <laughs> be talking about. They, just, this wouldn't uh, be in your in your Black Op unit, I'm assuming. No, 
Not at all. So if you were, if if duty was phoning you, you wouldn't. This wouldn't be what you'd be looking for. No, not no. Yeah, Call of Duty's overrated. <laughs> yeah, it is. Screw it. I'll say it. That's what Call we're of trying Duty's to say. overrated. <laughs> Screw it. I'll freaking say it. But yeah, um, do you have a favorite gaming genre? Is it RPGs? Is that your your go to? Um, yes and no. I, I'm really liking open world games right now. So like open world RPGs are kind of a, like that's where I'm at. Um, I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn at the moment. I really like that. I like the feel of that kind of uh, thing. So Assassin's Creed is really good. Uh, I've been playing Fallout like it's nobody's business. So like Fallout 76 at launch was terrible. And now it's still bad. But <laughs> it's playable. <laughs> it's playable, right? So like they actually introduced NPCs and whatnot, and there's a story to it. But I actually like the building aspect of it. You can create your own little uh, shelter house thing. Uh, and it's got a lot of potential. And they, they keep making the game better. I mean, it's really hard to make it worse than what it was when it first came out. So, but it, they are doing improvements to it. Uh, but I guess my favorite genre will have to be RPGs. I love stories still. Yeah, because a good story could be very engaging. Yeah, I'm with you on open world games. I love, I I absolutely love the Rockstar series of games to death, like Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead, and even Bully. Like I played Bully. Until I, I, that was the, I can't say it's the first game that I ever got the, the full achievements on for Xbox 360. It was the first complex game that I got the full achievements for on the Xbox 360, where you actually, like, cause I would, I used to rent games that had like easy achievements and play them just so I could get my gamer score up. But Bully was the first one I got a hundred percent and got the thousand the thousand score and everything on everything because and it had complicated stuff you had to do and i played that game so much and it was so much fun the only problem was unlike gta and red dead it doesn't have replay value because once you do everything there's nothing else to do attend classes for fun or just roam the neighborhood like you kind of run out of stuff to do but like gta you can always just fool around and red even red dead you can still fool around in and those games to me are are the, the most fun and i like i Have like the online versions i'm not that big into gta online i i had some fun with it when it first came out but i just wasn't that into it because i couldn't i think the problem with these online games is if you don't have the right people to play with they're not that fun and, and I think I that's... see. I never I never checked them out, so I, I have no reference for them. I mean, I'm I'm not a good reference for them because I still prefer. I will always prefer single player to online, because I like to immerse myself in the game, and I don't need anybody else with me to affect me negatively. You could say, like, I don't need. I'm not gonna. Pl- that was one thing I didn't like about Team Fortress 2 was that it was always online only. I couldn't just go in there with a bunch of with a bunch of NPCs and just wreck the place. I remember I was... See, I'm 
I'm mixed on that. Like, I love my first-person games, or, like, single-player games, um, but, like, Destiny 2, having a, a team there, what, going after, like, a boss or something like that, or doing a raid, is so much fun. Now, uh, I take yeah, nothing. you're kind of, like... I mean, I take nothing still... against that stuff, but it's like what you're saying. I gotta have the right people to play that with, too. Yeah, and sometimes it's a very hit or miss. Because you gotta <laughs> you get more misses than hits. Yeah. Plus, you have to you have to match schedules and things like that. And one thing that sucks about being an adult is we all work different schedules. We all have different jobs. People work nights and weekends and things when you're not available, and they're not available. So that can be very challenging too. So to me, a perfect game has has both elements in it. If it's single player only. I'll have fun with it, but I'll feel like it's got a missed opportunity. If it's online only, then I'll feel like I'm not getting enough out of it because of when I can play. So, like, GTA V having both, I think, is perfect. Because there's a huge single-player engrossing story. You can switch characters. You can do all kinds of stuff. But then if you want to get online, you got your customizable character and all this other stuff you can do, too. That's the kind of stuff that the games need to focus on. And one isn't dependent on the other. They're not codependent. They exist separately. So you've got that choice. And I think that's the perfect way to have these games now. Have that you know option. What? I'm, I'm going to recommend a game. Oh, boy. Uh, it's called Remnant from the Ashes. Okay. Remnant from the Ashes. Just, just give it a try. It's... Um... It's a third-person shooter that's kind of like Dark Souls a little bit. So it's a little difficult, but once you get a good weapon, it's it's not terrible. It's pretty easy, actually. But okay. it literally hits everything that you just said. It's got a decent story, but you have to find it. You have to explore it. Um, it's a single-player game that you can play co-op, with friends, it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a massive. Uh, it's not like an MMO or anything like that. But if you need help, you can always be like, "All right, I need help," and then you can either join a friend or your friend can join you or whatever, and you can continue on the story. And it's randomly generated, so like the world itself will just always be different. Ah, oh, that's cool. I gotta play that Link to the Past randomizer game that's out there. There's a what? And you're telling me now? Yeah, I only just found out about this, but somebody made a version of Link to the Past where, like, it's, everything's randomized. Like, items are in different spots, so, like, you might open up your, your chest in your house, and you might get rubies, but, like, everything is just in different places throughout the game, so it's a different experience every time you play it. And, yeah, no. I'm... I need Do you know how this. mad I would be if I don't get a boomerang right off the bat? Like, <laughs> I need that damn boomerang. <laughs> if uh... you're telling me I wait all the way to the last boss, <laughs> I'm going to be so mad. Well, I'm not tell. I don't know. I haven't tried it yet, <laughs> but I need to get that. I need to, I need to, I need to try it. I just have to. I have to have to try it. And like I said, I play a ton of New Horizons. And we actually mentioned this when we did our interview earlier on the show that, uh, I I appreciate the real-time format, but sometimes it gets frustrating when, like, I'm like, all right, I want to sit down and play some Animal Crossing, and I realize it's late at night, and, like, the shops are closed, and some of my villagers are sleeping, and it's like, uh, what am I going to do now? 
So I like I like games that have the uh, the time elements in them. I think those are actually uh, pretty cool. And uh, one one big thing I really liked was uh, I kind of like the way. Um, let's see, I I kind I, I got to go back to the well here. I like the way GTA does it, where the day advances, but it's not a full day. So you get your day and your night, and then things happen. But you can also advance the time yourself by taking a nap, which is the save game feature. Yeah. But again, I, I have nothing against the real-time stuff anyway, because I used to play Pokemon Silver to death. And I remember being like, oh, I want to catch a ladybug, but they're only available in the morning. So I'd actually like wake up on Saturday morning and start playing Pokemon. Because <laughs> I was like, well, I can't play it at school. True. Or, I mean, you could, but get caught, and then teacher take your Game Boy away, and uh, then you have to burn the school down. That's yeah, I can't. Rough. Yeah, let's just, let's just not do that. <laughs> let's just not do that, because then the teacher spits on you, and then you repeat, you black out, and you repeatedly punch them. And, <laughs> oh, God. You know, things like that might happen. <laughs> so, uh, so big, big thing as we uh, start to wrap up the show this week here is, uh, as I mentioned... I want to hear from you guys more. Give us feedback. You'll get shout-outs for the feedback that you have. But we want to know what some of your favorite games of all time were. So hit us up wherever you're following the show, whether it's on the page itself, like on Podbean itself, or on the CKCC radio page. Or, of course, we're on Facebook and Twitter at NerdTable. I think I had to make the handles differently. Yeah, NerdTablePod for Twitter, NerdTablePodcast for facebook i might try to just shorten that to pod so we it's one thing everywhere but like tell us what some of your favorite games are we might continue discussion on a future episode and we have gotten some fun suggestions from people about what to talk about and what we can talk about on future episodes and everything and we want to hear your suggestions here we did a very movie heavy episode last time we did a game heavy episode this time uh maybe we'll do tv next week you know, we, there's all kinds of stuff we can talk about, but we want to hear from you guys and we want to interact with you. And you can follow us on social media and get in touch with us any way you see fit, really. If just, a, I don't know, let us know what you guys want to hear. What, what should we right. talk about? What should we, what should we waste your time or enhance your day talking about however you want to look at it? You know, like, Life advice. Life advice. And yeah, Eric really wants to give life advice. Can somebody finally do that? Can somebody ask a question <laughs> for Eric to give some life advice so we can just give you the worst advice ever in the history of humanity? I, I am I am promised you will not be sorry. <laughs> you will not. Um, you might, actually, but it's fun. <laughs> It'll be fun. It's a ton of fun, yeah. And I'm now surrounded by all of my fun posters in the office. So I've got uh, Sasha Banks, Harley Quinn, one of Yankee Stadium. I got a Star Wars uh, art piece that my wife got me at Target. I've got a map of Middle Earth and a Hogwarts crest flag on the wall. And, and 
soon when I get the third one, I'll have my favorite Animal Crossing villagers in frame photos, artwork I got on Etsy, on the wall right behind the computer. I already have Raymond and Bob, and Dom is on his way. For you Animal Crossing people, I know some of you have those villagers, and those are the, they're the best. Unfortunately, my wife's favorite villager is Pom Pom, the, the peppy duck, and nobody seems to appreciate her enough to make artwork. So if anybody out there has an Etsy, and you want to make a Pom Pom artwork that I can buy, please let me know. Because that's like, I, I, I want to have my villagers represented here. Eric, what do you got on your wall? Uh, actually, I just sent you a picture. I see uh, that. I've got... Which is why you got to talk about it now. <laughs> I have a poster of Star Wars The Last Jedi, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which I got at the uh, Star Wars celebration that happened in Chicago. Uh, I also got a picture of Luke Skywalker. Uh, and then I got some Marvel stuff on there. I got the uh, Avengers poster. It's kind of like their hands um, like and their powers, basically. So I got like uh, uh, what's his name? Captain America throwing his shield, Thor holding his hammer, the Hulk crushing the ground. <laughs> you got Black Widow just shooting a gun. Shooting and, a gun, and, yeah. <laughs> she's just shooting a gun. I think that's hilarious. And then I got two more posters. I got one of just uh, of Deadpool because he's like my favorite. You know what? Who's your favorite superhero? Well, we'll do Marvel. Who's your favorite Marvel superhero? Oh. And, and then hmm. who do you relate to the most? Because ah. they're two different people for me. Yeah. Ah, damn. Okay, so for Marvel? who man, I gotta... I'm, like, going through, like, the Avengers Rolodex right now. <laughs> and, like... I'd have to say... Probably Cap. Probably okay. Cap. I'm, okay. Um, Who I relate to, though? Uh, Peter Parker, because I was an awkward kid. Okay. And All I, right. I, and yeah, I could have I could have definitely used a secret identity. <laughs> so... So, mine, right? Uh, My favorite in the MCU is is Tony Stark, right? Yeah, that's my wife's favorite. Uh, But I'm definitely (laughs) Ant-Man. You know, that's a good one, too. (laughs) I'm definitely (laughs) Ant-Man. It's like Paul Rudd. I'm him. Yeah. I love... In, uh, in Endgame, when he shows up, and he's like, guys, I gotta tell you what's going on right now, but I really need a sandwich. And I'm like, that's me. That's me right there. That is me. <laughs> like, and he's like trying to explain to them quantum fluctuation while he's downing the sandwich because he's starving. <laughs> I'm like, that's me. That's me. That's me. Raise your hand. Uh, but you know, it's funny. I love Marvel. Absolutely love Marvel. I love all the heroes and everything, and I love their movies. But my favorite hero of all time is Batman. Is Batman? I, I, it goes like this. I'm not a DC guy. I'm not big into DC except for Batman and Wonder Woman. I don't really care that much about Superman or the Flash or Green Lantern. Like, I don't have, I, I don't dislike them, but they're not, I don't know, I'm not that into those those types of heroes. But Batman supersedes everything Marvel. Because to me, Batman is the the best superhero universe because he's not, super powered and everything, but he still finds a way to to hang with these guys, including the Justice League. He still finds ways to do it. I mean, Tony Stark doesn't have any actual powers. He just puts on a suit. 
and he finds a way to do it. But Batman has the best rogues gallery. I think Batman's villains supersede any villain in every any other comic book. And not just because Harley Quinn's my favorite hero of all time, but look at him. The Joker, the Penguin, Bane, the Riddler. How many of them are just legendary villains? Poison Ivy. DC does have the better villains. DC does, hands down, have the better villains. Marvel has the better I, heroes. I, DC has the better villains. And I want to see a crossover where Marvel heroes take on DC villains, damn it. I will say that Marvel has the better anti-heroes. Wolverine. By anti-heroes, yeah. Wolverine, uh, Magneto. Punisher. Punisher. Like, they, I can't even think of one on DCN. Uh, I guess... Oh, It's uh, very cut and dry. Who, who was Deadpool ripped off from again? Oh, uh, Strider? Striker? Something like that? I mean, but I he's think... a he's a villain. Okay, he's well, there you go. I guess Batman's the closest you're going to get to an anti-hero, right? Because he's a vigilante. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And like, even though Magneto is portrayed as a villain in the show, um, and in the comic book, he's he has his moments where he's fighting for the you know the good side. He's he's on his own side, right? We already know what he's about. He feels like mutants are better. They should have their own thing. And then when that, like, doesn't work out, he just kind of goes onto his own little island and be like, all right, this mutant island, no normal people here. Just, you know, and tries to live out in peace. But when push comes to shove, man, he'll show up to save the world. Yeah. Ah, uh, man, we could do... That's gonna... I think we just found another topic for a future episode a whole hero thing i think we just got yeah. it i think yeah, yeah i think we got i we might even have next week's show right now <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah uh we're gonna go ahead and wrap up the nerd table this week guys we uh we had a great time talking to nick with the interview um of course gaming memories and things like that we'll have much more in-depth video game episodes down the line here but be sure to drop us a line and everything and uh you know how to find us now. Keep sharing us out there. And I appreciate the endorsements that I'm getting and people really sharing the show and, and telling their friends to listen to it. If you guys genuinely enjoy the show and want to share this with your friends, like that's, that's, that means everything to us because that means that we are, we're doing something right. We're doing something you guys like and you guys are entertained by. So, and if you guys enjoyed the interview portion of the show, maybe we'll have some more people on in the future. We do have plans to have on a guest or two in October to talk about some spooky stuff. But yeah, with uh, September right around the corner here, we want you guys to uh, to to hit fall full kicking with the nerd table when the the nice the nicer weather shows up for Eric and I. Because you guys in Florida that are listening to this, you don't get nicer weather in September. No, no, <laughs> no, you don't. We're gonna we're gonna get that break soon, and we're gonna be like, yes, and everybody else is gonna be like, I'm still schmetti. Yeah, that is true. Well, yep. on top of that, uh, I want to say thank you to everyone listening as well. Uh, but I am hungry, and I need to go on lunch. Yeah, so it's time. For, it's time for food. Lunch. We're gonna go. We're gonna go be happy fat kids and eat. So thank you guys for tuning in to the nerd table, and we will see you guys next week.
For more great content like this, be sure to check out CKCC Radio and subscribe to never miss an episode.